You have reached the Geek Elite. Good luck. Hey. Oh, hey, Jeff. What's going on, guys? Oh, you know, talking about Superman. Oh, cool. I could talk about Superman. I could talk some more about Superman. We know. I'll bet a few people would want to get in on this. I'm down. You know it. That sounds like fun. I'll do it. Cool. Let's do it. We can call the show Men of Steel. And you can find it at certainpov.com. Or wherever you get your podcasts. Yay. Welcome, everybody, to We Have Issues, Geek Elite Media Show that's about everything literary. Books, comic books, web comics, manga, everything else you might be reading, we are here to talk about it. As always, I am your host, Keith, and I'm joined by my Star Wars sidekick, who's always at my side, host Sway. Hey, and a lot of solid books this week. Yeah, ver- it's a very varied week. Yeah. Um, I think if there is a theme to the week, it's the letter S. Because <laughs> I noticed like 12 books start with the letter S. <laughs> so we'll be definitely talking about that. I'm trying to throw a theme every week, guys. Uh, so we are going to go straight into our books. But first, not straight into the books because we have some news. Um, some fun news and then some potentially. And I'm not, I don't think I'm exaggerating when I say this. Some potentially industry changing news (laughs) that i think got past a lot of people so uh what i'm gonna go ahead and do is pull that up and but we'll start with the basic stuff first because it's fun uh first of all we are getting a uh crossover marvel that was delayed because of covid and it's finally coming out and i'm very excited about it because it's something that i think is going to harken back to things I've talked about in the past that mm-hmm. Hostway didn't get to experience in real life. Yeah. We are getting the Darkhold saga. Oh, yes. Which I think is going to definitely bring us down the, uh, you know, the Ghost Ridery, you know, Vengeance oh, era, which is really, really great. So, um, so we're getting it. And the cool thing is it started off with a one shot and it's going to be written by Steve Orlando, mm-hmm. who's been killing it lately. Oh, fuck yeah. Um, so, and uh, CN Tormi. So, uh, it's basically a mini event. It's going to be a series of one shots featuring Iron Man, Wasp, Black Bolt, Blade, and Spider-Man as they work to stop Doctor Doom from destroying reality, et cetera, et cetera. Um, and then basically there it's going to be the group of heroes has to read through the dark hold and it turns them insane. <laughs> That's cool. So, yeah. Um, and there's going to be, you know, if you look at that list, you know, that'd be a lot of fun, but also they're going to involve Doctor Strange and Scarlet Witch. Yeah, those so, are the covers I've seen. Yeah, so it's going to be really interesting. Um, and I'm excited. Blade, Blade with the Darkhold thing going, that's going to be a lot of fun. So just thought I want to mention that uh, we do have another crossover coming up. So Marvel still wants my money. Um, <laughs> so always. Next thing, Marvel is bringing back K- Kazar, Kazar, however you say it yourself. Uh, the Jungle Dude. Right. Um He's getting a new miniseries uh, called Lord of the Savage Land. And it's going to be written by Zach Thompson, which oh, is great. Cool. He, he's oh, the one that did Yondu. And, about. Nice. Yeah. 
the artist is going to be uh, Herman Garcia. And it's going to follow up. Remember Empire when he was killed and brought back to life? Mm-hmm. It's basically following up from that. And it's basically him returning from the dead. He has this new power and he's trying to evolve as a person and stuff. So it looks pretty cool. I'm, I'm pretty nice. dope. I'm pretty excited about that. So that's cool. So now that we get that casual stuff out of the way, let's talk about this comic, this industry changing news that I found this way. It's going to start off small, but there is a comic called, com, excuse me, a company called Comic Tags. And it's, um, it's a new product that is partnered with Scout. And we, we've become fr- fans of Scout lately. Yeah. Right? And it's a new way to both distribute and collect digital comic books. Now, you and me have talked about it. We don't mind reading digitally, but we like to collect. We like to have. True. Yeah. So, the way this works is comic tags are limited edition collectible cards. They're basically trading cards. But on the back of the card is a code to download a PDF of the comic itself. Oh, that's cool. So, I can actually give you an idea of what the design of it's going to look like. So, like, you see these just little cards oh, hanging? interesting. Yeah. And so, you can actually collect the cards and put them in a card binder. They're going to take up way much way less space than comics. Right. So it's going to use way less paper. Yeah. I mean, honestly, that's pretty cool, too. Like, just... and you can still show off your collection. You know what I mean? <laughs> like, so, I mean, I don't know if this is going to, you know, take off, uh, but it's a really, really good idea. And I think, I, I honestly, it depends on how the PDF download works. Does it, you know, does it work mm-hmm. more than once? What if you lose right. your device with it on it you know that kind of thing so. it's, it's in the name too of what they're trying to do with it trading cards so it's kind of like yeah are these comics shareable yeah and um it, it the price is currently 6.99 a piece but keep in mind this isn't for single issues this is for trades oh damn it's like a whole book for seven bucks yeah it's not bad yeah and the first wave of releases are going to be Scout Comics' uh, most popular series so far, which is The Mall, White Ash, Mindbender, Stabity Bunny, It Eat What Feeds It, mm-hmm. Gut Ghost, Solar Flare, and The Source. All books I need to catch up on anyways. So yeah. it might be pretty cool. I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to hit up the Samurai Comics guys uh, when I go into the store and see what they think and stuff. Yeah, for sure. But yeah, that's really interesting stuff. I just want to make sure I brought that up. What do you think? What do you think of the idea, I should say? I, I kind of dig the idea. Um, yeah, just some, something else to collect is like where my nerd brain is, is going to. But then the actual product itself, where it's like, yeah, digital comics, but there's something else to it than just like, just be sure to get, grab this code. No, I, I, I dig it a lot. Yeah. One thing I really like is um, in my immediate thought was Amiibo. Yeah. Like, you know, you have a cool little collectible, but it also has like a digital use. I have you know, a like, shitload of Amiibos. I love yeah, those like those are really collectible. People dig that shit, so you know it makes a lot of sense to me. So yeah, uh, but yeah, I just want to make sure I bring that up. It's it was just too cool not to. So mm-hmm. uh, now we'll move on. Unless you have any other news, anything else you think of the the bad idea of final five books I got announced were oh, actually yeah. not that bad. Yeah, I mean, I took the plunge. I, I took the blind plunge uh, yesterday, um, just because I was already following it through. And like I've been saying, it's just like I wouldn't have a problem problem with all the trolling if like the books were like like were like weren't bad like I, for the most part i basically enjoyed every single thing so why not on these on these last few things so and that last one that odin's eye just was like definitely the pun intended eye catcher honestly 
and I mean this, I'm not trying to be a dick about it, but that would be a book that I would have easily picked up if I wasn't turned off by this company. Okay. They, they basically lost my business, is what I was saying. <laughs> and that was an easy sell for me. Anything, anything Vikings is an easy sell. And it looked really cool to me. But I was like, I, they're, they're actively trolling me. Why would I give them a dime of my money? Yeah. But again, like so. the books weren't, weren't bad. The, the product was shit. Yeah. Again, Scout tends to be kind of hit or miss for the most part. And this time it was just like, you know, if they were actually shit books, then yeah, maybe for sure. Like, fuck these guys. But, you know, I'll give it, I'll give it a go. Yeah, I mean, that's fine. I'm glad one of us is, so. Uh, I just can't bring myself to do it. <laughs> but, um, cool. All right, well, let's move on and start talking about some comics, guys. So we have a lot of books. We will not waste your time. We're going to go as quick as we can through this. Uh, however, you guys know we always start not with a bang, but a boom. Boom Studios, Hosway. Kick it off with Storyteller's Trickster's 4. Yes, Jim Hansen's The Storyteller Trickster's. Uh, this was written by Robin Kaplan, art by A.L. Kaplan, and lettering by Jim Campbell. On this one, like I was saying on Twitter, Twitter, I can't believe I didn't see it coming or why or how I did not expect it. First, for us tricksters go, of course they had to be a Loki, Loki the matchmaker. It's such a sweet tale. It was it's, it was kind of like that uh, uh, Mariko Tamaki story with the Thor and Loki, just. A little bit like toned down, not not as super dark. Just a tale of Loki and his little like adventures and how he would just go around being cunning as ever. Only in this one, oh my god, do I fucking love this design of Loki? They're drawn, or he's drawn in this like most androgynous looking of ways. He's just so pretty throughout the whole thing. Every time, he's just so captivating. Going. Yeah, and so and in this case, that as he shows up, he's like clutching something shiny. And he's just, it seems like he's escaping something. Uh, Thor catches like, hey, I need you to fucking help me. Don't tell anybody, but I fucking lost Mjolnir. So please don't tell anybody while I try to figure this shit out. And Loki's like, yeah, sure, 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 sure. Immediately tells everybody. <laughs> uh, so divide, he devises a plan to be able to get the hammer because he knows where it is. Since hammer uh, Thor left it in uh, Jotunheim with all the fucking with all the giants. So now the leader of the giants is keeping it. It's like, oh, this is just fucking mine. I found it. <laughs> so Loki concocts this elaborate plan on the only way to get this hammer back is that the giant wanted Freya for a bride. And Freya wasn't going to do it because Freya was also busy looking for a lost necklace that she can't find. So Loki goes, all right, I'll help you find your necklace if you just do this one favor for me. Um, you just have to help me out. Um, but uh, his favor is that he needs to borrow her wings. And he's like, sure. <laughs> and so the plan now is to now trick the giant with Thor as Freya, uh, as a bride. And Thor's like, what? I'm not going to do something so degrading or whatever. It's like, too, like, not masking. It's like, mm, okay. But then Loki's like, but isn't it more shameful if somebody else gets the hammer for you or if everybody else finds out you lost the hammer and you wouldn't do this for it? It's like, all right, point taken. So <laughs> this, is a, this is an actual Norse myth and it was in the Neil Gaiman Norse mythology book. Oh really? Yeah. So, really this, fable, so. <laughs> so it's that story and he shows up and, it, and Thor is just being fucking Thor and evidently becomes the perfect bride for this giant. 
Yeah, Loki keeps talking him into it, being like, "Why is he eating? Or is she eating so much?" He's like, "She hasn't eaten in seven days." Yep, that's exactly, for you. Yeah, that's yeah, exactly what happened. It's one of my favorite Thor stories. It's great. Um, so yeah, so basically, everybody gets what they want, especially Loki. In the end, uh, Loki just wanted basically just wanted the wings. Basically, the thing where it started him clutching the shiny thing was said necklace that he had stole. Uh, he had stolen. Um, but yeah, and the whole point why the story was being told by said, by said storyteller was uh, he and the dog were outside in the yard and uh, thunder started rumbling and scared the dog. And of course, it spawned a story about the gods. Uh, but yeah, very lovely. Again, have a huge, huge crush on the on this Loki in particular. Like <laughs> man, like the the way they're just drawn. So like it kept it kept shifting. It reminded me of Desire from Sandman. Just very androgynous, very sh- uh, shifting. Like in the in the facial features and tones. Oh, God. Very, very pretty. Nice. All right, next up, Firefly, brand new verse number four. Uh, written by Josh Lee Gordon, illustrated by Fabiana Mascolo, colored by Lucia Di Giamarino, letter by Jim Campbell. Um, it's a number four, so that's usually the part where we know, so we only give a very brief review. This continues to be a really good series. I'm really enjoying it. Uh, we really get to spend a little bit more time with our main, prota- or main antagonist, we think, and kind of see where we're going from here. Not a lot of... Uh, story development in this specific issue but if you're a firefly fan this is a non non-missable series you should be reading this of all the firefly comics this is except for maybe a shepherd's tale which i love um this is probably the best of those so definitely check it out next up i picked up a number one called save yourself i almost did this one too did you look at it at all you know i i couldn't find it where it was open because one of the stories I, I do go to where they would usually have everything, they're already mm-hmm. pre-bagged, which is kind of why I like the store. You get a, you get a free bag with it. Um, so, but I always feel bad taking it out, if, especially if I'm not going to get it in the end. So I finish, you get a chance to peek at it. Gotcha. Okay. Written by Bones Leopard. Uh, art by Kelly and Nicole Matthews. And letter by Jim Campbell. So, um, so it's a story of a young woman who is kind of like a homebody and stuff. And she gets tricked into going to like singles night at a friend's uh, place. Um, And the representation of the Wahoo is what I'll say in this, like destiny York levels of representation of this book. Well, that's dope. Um, She gets bumped into by this sexy lady. Okay. It does look really pretty. Ooh. Okay. And she's like, holy crap, you're hot. And then you find out that there's a group of superheroes in the world. It's these three women in the background here. Mm-hmm. Think of them kind of as grown-up Powerpuff Girls, but they're aliens. Okay. Um, so she goes to the single thing. The person hosting it is uh, is her friend, uh, and they make a big point of like they're doing like this get together and getting to know people, and it's like same same pronoun, same relationship status. You know, like it's it's again very inclusive, and. Um, uh, she goes to leave. Long story short, she sees a fight with those three heroes fighting some bad guys, right? And she sees one of them when no one else is looking because it's like there's not like cameras around and everything like that. Some guy runs up to her and he's like, "Oh, hey, you're so and so," and she's like, "Yeah," and she grabs him and just drains him, just oh, evaporates shit. him. Yeah. Basically, you find out that she needs they need to feed on people. To mm-hmm. keep their powers. And so she knows this. She's the only human that knows this now. <laughs> and so she's trying to run away. And she finds out that she's stuck underground. Or basically, this this building falls on top of her. She wakes up. And she's underground with this dragon-looking thing holding it up. Yeah. Nice. Okay. So she's sitting there. And the dragon's like, I'm weak. And then you find out the dragon can transform. 
and it's the hot chick she bumped into before. Ah, uh, cool. So basically, the chick is like, "I also can absorb energy from humans, but I don't, I don't want to kill you or anything." So she's like, "I just need to absorb a little bit to be able to do this." And so they kiss. Oh, <laughs> so and then mid kiss, it transforms back into the dragon. <laughs> it's nice. just great. It's really cute. Now that you've seen it, it reminds me of a little bit of the relationship. Well, not so much, but uh, in uh, Spirited Away, with like the boy. Yeah. Going to like the dragon form. Yeah, yeah, that actually makes a lot of sense. So, Uh, but it's pretty cool. It's fun. Um, And basically, she's getting caught up in this whole adventure that she's not really a part of. And she's the only human that knows the truth about these heroes. Yeah. So it's really fun. I love the art. It's really good. Um, uh, And and I think that's what it was, too. When I was looking it up and I read the description, it almost made it seem like these three heroes, like obviously they, they already seem established, but it made it, it the way it was described. It made it seem like this was like a sequel to something that had already happened, based on how the three heroes were established. But is it just a? It's just it's just starting out, right? Yeah, it's just the first issue. Oh, okay, as far cool. as I know, there's nothing before this. Okay, cool. if there is, I wasn't made aware of it. <laughs> so okay, cool. if it's not, if it's not obvious, then it's probably not. Then yeah. so really good, very good book. Okay, move on to the final issue. Ooh. Luna number five by Maria Lavette. Um, so good. I'm going to keep my thoughts very simple. This was really fucking good. <laughs> yeah. Uh, what do you think, Osway? Um, in the end, it was totally worth it. It was kind of confusing the first two issues. I didn't know exactly where it was going to go. Again, dropping the whole vampire-ism was kind of late in the game, but not too late either. That's kind of actually where I started picking it up. But then to just get this conclusion, it's just like, fuck yeah. In the end, it, it, putting everything together, getting pages like this. Mm-hmm. I have a particular friend who would just like absolutely just love like the whole concept in the end. She would probably struggle reading it, but then getting to here in particular, she would just absolutely just love it. So yeah, honestly, in the end, it, this book was just worth it. Totally. Um, only one thing got me, and it's because I, I have, uh, you know, I have a tooth thing. I also Uh-oh. have. An eye thing. And that <laughs> made me cringe. And so I won't tell you guys what happens. You'll have to look for yourself. Uh, but that's the end of the series. So make sure to look it out for it on trade. Because mm-hmm. I guarantee it's going to be really nice as a trade altogether. And I bet oh, yeah. there's going to be a lot of awesome like art in there too. That's not included in these books. So, oh, that'd be cool. Yeah, all the variant covers and stuff will be great. So, All right, moving on. Because we had a lot of boom. Uh, next up, The Many Deaths of Layla Star, oh, number three. Loved this, this issue. Uh, written by Ram V, illustrated by Felipe Andrade, colored by Inez Amaro, and lettered by Anne World. Um, so you guys know this book as the one where death becomes a human because there's a young boy that's born that's going to basically invent immortality, so she no longer has a job. And she's spending her human life trying to find him, but keeps dying. And <laughs> when we last left off, he was a young boy. Mm-hmm. But now he is a young man, an adult man, or not, awesome. yeah, uh, teens. What did I say? I can't remember. I can't keep. I didn't keep track of them. Oh no! At this point, he's he's twenty. Twenty. Okay, gotcha. Um, and so basically, it's about his first love, really, and it's told from the perspective of a cigarette. So good. It's just like it's like how does that work? It's just like. Well, I it's so simple. <laughs> <laughs> it's so simple. It's just, I mean, like when it got meta explaining how and why, it's like, well, yeah, that works. Like I would, I totally buy that. And then, cause honestly the first page, like the first two pages, I was kind of confused. Cause I, I, I couldn't believe it was going to be that simple. Like it was like, especially cause like the, the bubbles had the little smoke appearance. It's kind of like, wait, who's, who's telling this narration? 
And it's like, no fucking way. Are we really buying that? It's being told through a perspective, a quick, short, 10 minute burst of a cigarette, like perspective of a, of a lifespan. This is so fucking cool. And a lot happens. Oh, it's such a, it was such a great issue. It's really good. And, um, we start to see basically what's, what's going on in Darius's life and how he, um, Again, he he's going to be the one who invents immortality. So it's kind of like you're seeing how his idea of mortality and how death has affected him. Each issue ha- is showing us little bits about that. Mm-hmm. And I just, I really, really like this. And, you know, there's a lot that goes into people that make huge changes. And, you know, people usually don't find out about them until well after they're dead when some movie comes out about them. You know what I mean? Like, so, yeah. um, which, yeah, I really, really liked this a lot. And just knowing where the end of it is, but not knowing how we get there has been really fun to put the pieces together. It's just like, I almost feel like it's like, it's in the end, it's going to be like her fault. All these like passing moments, like with her is what led him to realize whatever code or algorithm he needs to figure immortality out. In the end, it's going to be like her fault in a way, but yeah. her learning, like, pro- like her process along the way has just, her journey has just been really fucking interesting too. It's been great, and and I mean, it, it goes without saying, it's an absolutely beautiful book. So. Yes. So yeah, uh, final boom book and our third S book already is Seven Secrets, number nine, written by Tom Taylor, drawn by Danielle Denuclo, uh, colored by Walter Biamonte, and lettered by Ed Dukeshire. Okay, Josue, <laughs> we're not spoiling the ending. Okay, good because uh, so do you, it looks like asleep out there but she could be pretending and i don't want to spoil it for her yeah it was too good of an ending so good all we'll say about the end is because honestly the last two pages if you took those out it did we wouldn't even have to it's not like something that was built up to really well not that it's not not that it wasn't built up to but Mm -hmm. i'm saying we can talk about the rest of the episode or the issue without talking about those last two pages and it wasn't effective so the main thing is is them trying to get somewhere safe and at the same time, trying to elect, elect a new leader. And um, they keep switching cars, which is a lot of fun. We get um, we get uh, like a lot of cool interaction between the characters. And it's fun because we get to see the new characters. I mean, like all these characters start to develop. Not just the main like four or five. We're seeing everybody. So like Ching. Ching is great. Ching oh, really hell got yeah. A lot She's awesome. Um. And just, it was really cool. And basically, they're able to find a place to stay, which is a sunken castle. And um, they're there. They decide, yeah, like I said, to to elect a new leader. And who did they elect? Eva. Mm-hmm. Of course, they elect Eva. She's the one who basically took charge from the beginning. So, <laughs> And it's really sad because there's a moment where they actually are able to sit down and then they finally grieve. Which is like, oh, man, yeah. they've been holding that in for a while. You know what I mean? Like you can uh, actually see everybody's shoulders almost just like drop. You know, in the panel, yeah, yeah. We get a lot of time spent with our antagonists as well, and what's going on, and like the secret organization that runs that and everything. Oh, that was a good scene too. Yeah, we get a little bit more with Laqueta, which I know you were totally about. You know, I, I would have been down with her being the leader. I like that she's like, if nobody's going to say it, because Eva wasn't going to do it either. Eva wasn't going to say it out loud that she wanted it either. But, but the fact is, like, you know what? I'll step up. And who better to keep a fucking secret, you know? <laughs> yeah. And we find out that part of the 
part of the idea of her being a leader is she needs to know what all the secrets are. Yeah. So there's a ceremony where she finds out what they are. She's shown what they are if she can. Mm -hmm. If not, she's told what they are. And once again, another great one with Laqueta where she says, I'm so sorry you had to bear this alone. I'm like, <laughs> like <laughs> what is it that you have to say? What is it that you, have to, that you are you holding in that just has to burst out that you would just want to scream in, like, from like the rooftops, you know, from the mountains? Like, oh, I felt bad, so bad for Laqueta. Yeah. And then the last, um, the last secret is what we can't talk about. So. Yeah, because it's really good. Um, Everybody should read it. <laughs> this book is incredible. Blew my mind. It's the only one I texted Hostway about yesterday when I was reading. I was like, holy shit. Like, it just blew my mind. So, I think the word I used, no, no, I did text you about Nightwing, which we'll talk about. Yes, later. we talked about those two books. But I think the word that I used was knocked me on my ass. <laughs> Dude, yeah. <laughs> so, nice. And now the next one promises, supposedly promises answers. I mean, we're going to have to get some answers unless they do a, a full flashback episode. Don't tell us anything. So, <laughs> All right, so that's Boom. Now let's switch over to Ablaze. Nice. I actually have an Ablaze book this week. Cool. And it's a book that I didn't really know anything about and just picked up because why not give it a chance? And it's called Space Pirate Captain Harlock. Oh, that's cool. Oh, that looks really cool. So um, this is written by Leiji Matsumoto, which is a Japanese writer. So it has been translated from, from Japanese. Uh, artist by Jerome Alque and letters by Desi Siente. Um, how do I explain this? It's like a... No, I don't want to say it that way. Okay. It's an anime. Okay. In book form. It's not manga. Okay. I want to make that clear. Okay. It's an anime in book form. Because the art is not manga style. Like... Oh, you see wow. what I mean? Okay. Like, yeah. it looks like, and I don't want to say it this way because it sounds horrible, but it looks like a Netflix anime. Like Castlevania, which is good. Okay. But visually, that's what it looks like. Um, did you, did you see the Godzilla the Netflix ones? No. Like that anime style? No. I was thinking more like also like um, um, Knights of Cydonia, which I really like. Okay, I get that know, one. Yeah, I get that stuff. one for sure. So, like, you can see some more of the art. Yeah, I see it. Yeah. So, um, but then some of the characters look like this. Oh, you know, very so anime, yeah, <laughs> yeah. So it's very much an anime, and it's but it's so colorful and stuff. I don't see it as a manga. I can't see it as a manga. <laughs> um, it's really cool. It's got a cool story. Um, it was a little hard for me to follow at first. Okay, uh, it kind of drops you deep, mm -hmm. and something's happened to the planet, and. You're following a pirate and stuff, and it's really interesting. Visually, though, I cannot express enough how visually I love this. Um, I almost want this artist to do a Final Fantasy comic book, because could you imagine Shiva drawn like this? Yeah, that'd be sick as fuck, dude. Oh, that close-up yeah. too, yeah. Yeah, so uh, it, it's really cool. It's a very much a visual book, and... Um, one or two places, I think the translation was a little shaky, but that might have just been word choice, you know? So, uh, but yeah, pretty good for Ablaze. I really enjoyed it. Um, and I'm curious to see where it goes. It does come off as very much a, not shonen, but, you know, like that, like um, Trigun and, you know, like that, that kind of level of anime, or where it's oh, not like, it's not like the fun shonen style. It's more that. Yeah, kind of like Bebop. Uh, Bebop's more fun, though. But, you know, like kind of like that less fun version. 
Okay. I'm trying yeah, to think of the other one like that popped into my head, but yeah, like just a little little cool and vi- it's not super violent or anything like that, but yeah. Bingo. That's kind of what it came to. An adult anime, if you will. Mm-hmm. So yep. Alright, switching gears to Mad Cave, Hosway. Take it away with Nottingham. Oh dude, I feel so bad you're not reading this one with me. It's actually a lot I'm gonna trade I'm gonna get a trade when it comes out. Because it's just impossible to find the floppies here. Okay. Um yeah, so this one pretty much just takes place on um the Nottingham tournament tournament to bait out uh Robin Hood and everybody else. Uh well it works. Like it's <laughs> and right now, and the whole time the in this case, to the perspective of Nottingham, he's looking out to see who's kinda like wielding left left handed. Because uh, when they found one of the, like the one of the guardsmen that was like just brutally murdered was obviously slashed through the left side. So throughout the whole tournament, he's just like watching, see who was actually would be proficient enough, like from like jousting, like all the knights, a giant melee. But now it's not this time for the true tournament. At least in this case, in Nottingham, there's like, a speech on like people would consider this a coward's weapon, but not here. And it's like the this the <laughs> archery tournament. So we get first thing, uh, first and foremost. Um, Sir Robert of Loxley, and he goes up, shoots it from the left, bullseye, obviously, and and Nottingham's like, mm, maybe, and then he immediately knocks one from the right side, crushes the last arrow, perfect bullseye. So he's kind of like, uh, hmm, it might not be this guy, or at least this guy's too good. And in this moment, while while the guy is like hyping up that oh shit, he did, um, <laughs> he split an arrow in twenty. <laughs> Sorry, I had to do the um, excellent. Men in tight line. The arrow and twine. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, in this moment, uh, this is where like a bunch of merry men uh, literally put on their mask and just like shoot the guy in the back, and then all hell fucking breaks loose. A bunch of the merry men literally gear up, so it just becomes a giant riot. Uh, and the only, and, pri- and the only priority here is the sheriff getting uh, the prince, just getting getting him the fuck out of there. And his whole um, only uh, thing in his mind is like the gold being left behind, but it's like, dude, the whole this whole point wasn't about the fucking gold; it's to bait them out. And now they're here, and we need to get you out. So let's go. And yeah, people are just dying left and right. Um, they're kind of pretty much forced to retreat back into the castle, so I can then so that they can then bottleneck uh, the merry men into the castle. Yeah, but it's just it's just not going well. Like in in a spur of the moment when they're kind of getting ganged up on. Uh, made Marion kind of defend herself because, like, there's a talk bef- like in the beginning with the sheriff and and Marion how like she is proficient with like with some weaponry. Weaponry she she has some training just being in the castle too. So in this case, she proved herself. Guess the guy good. They make it inside the castle, and <laughs> outside is this giant dope page of Hood and everybody just Aww. chanting his name. Really, really dope. That's dope. <laughs> so. Merry men are outside. They pretty much have the castle just now surrounded and inside. The first thing that the that Nottingham does is, yo, arrest Marion. She's a spy. Because when she defended herself, she was proficient from her left side. Like, really fucking good. So, now they're going to take her away. And that's where it ends off. I think the next one is um, is a conclusion. So, we'll see where it, left off, where it leaves off. Because um, it is, like, so brutal so far. And I can only imagine how how it'll how it'll end it's kind of sad to see it go because it's actually a really cool take i was gonna be like do i really want to root for this fucking guy but the whole time like damn all these like different perspectives of these times have just like kind of kind of what made the book for me yeah nice uh okay um 
let's kick it over because we're we're quick firing create our publishers right now. We're going to switch over to Oni Press. Um, I have one book with Oni, and that's Agatsuko, Meet Her World, number three. And this one was close close to my heart because. Agritsuko is chilling in her office. She's singing a song to herself. Everybody's like, why are you in such a good mood? And she's like, oh, I'm going to go to a book reading of my favorite book. And I'm so excited. And she's like, I bought a new dress and everything. And she's so excited to do this. And then her boss walks up and he's like, he basically like is mad at her. And then he talks to one of his new clients. He's like, all right, my newest client is bringing this little girl to our meeting. I need one of you to keep her entertained. And we looked, everybody but Ritsuko's gone. So he's like, you're coming with me. She's like, no, I have something to do. And he's like, no, you're coming with me. Oh, my God. So he makes her go, and she misses her book reading. Uh-huh. And where do they go? They go to a professional wrestling match. Oh, no shit. <laughs> so she she's sitting there, and the little girl is terrible. She's Ooh. she's not even little. She's She's like in her 20s. But she's just like screaming at the wrestler, saying horrible things, like "You're a failure, and your family hates you." Probably, which is exactly like it's go- like going to a show with Liz. By the way, <laughs> like at one point, Liz yelled "Hail Satan" at a wrestling event. It was it wasn't it wasn't WWE. There were like a hundred people there, maybe. <laughs> I was gonna <laughs> like, say, was this like to a Kane and Undertaker match no, or something? No, like, this, make, this make was in a church, actually. <laughs> Amazing. <laughs> I just I remembered that it was in a church. Now I think about it. it was Championship Wrestling from Arizona, I think. And so, that's why Liz is our producer because she's fucking awesome. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah. Um, but basically, the girl is really shitty, and she ends up spilling her beer on, on Ritsuko, and she's like. Her brand new dress she just bought's all messed up. No, fuck. And then she meets with one of the wrestlers in the bathroom, and the wrestler's like, like, yes, sometimes you gotta stand up for yourself. It sucks you when you have to put up with it. And then when the wrestler gets back in the ring, she points the girl out and just was like, you're a spoiled little shit, basically. Just <laughs> cut, cut a promo on her, and the girl starts crying. Awesome. So, yeah. Next day, she gets to her desk, and there's an envelope and she opens it up, and there's a bunch of money in it. And she looks at her bosses, looking at her from across the office, and then turns around real quick. And it's so funny. I get such J. Jonah Jameson, Peter Parker vibes from these two cool. sometimes, where it's just like, I like you, but I'm not going to let you know. <laughs> basically. <laughs> like, so it's just great. Um, I mean, it's, it's Agatsuko. It's just a great story. I love it. So uh, always picking up. Oh, and I didn't do the uh, creative team. Uh, written by Daniel Radford, illustrated by Shadia Amin, colored by Andrew Dollhouse, and lettered by Crank, as always. All right, we're going to shift over to a book I'm so excited to talk about. I did not pick up this book this week because I could not find a copy, but I've already special ordered a copy because I need to have it. And Josue did read it, so we're going to talk about it. Josue, Black Mask Studios, Destiny number or Destiny New York number four. What yes. Think? Well, first of all, I want to make sure because I read the trade. Right, you have read this. Did this resolve the current arc? I want to know where the cutoff is. Oh no, it, it should have because it also has like a giant lettering. Yeah, and here we go. That was the first arc. Cool. And leaves, good. Yeah, the last few things that happened, big drops are um, the telephone call with um, the president. Yes. Okay. Yeah, and then them pretty much just getting together. Cool. Okay. Good. Okay. Then I know exactly where you left or where you're at. So, uh, so what'd you think? 
Um, no, it was actually really good. Um, I like how at this point there's room to expand. Obviously, this this world is gonna grow. Uh, but I like where everything is settled to where like now we can just move forward instead of just moving the characters to different places, different pieces across mm-hmm. the board until they actually like know what they want to do. And yeah, all the reveals, all the twists are just like, oh shit! Like now I'm excited to for for all of this shit to be explained, to, for all the backstory towards this. Uh, really, really good stuff. And again, it's just like it feels like such a mundane world where almost very little magic happens, but you know that it's there. So when it does happen, like you're like, oh shit, that's really cool. Like when like the seer dude, when he's around, well, that's cool. Just like seeing the eyes being around. But when you see like the real magic happening, you're like, oh fuck, like there's so much more to this world that it's not like, it's not like they're hiding it on purpose. It's just like more like when it's appropriate to do. I, I, I hella, I hella liked, uh, again, like this whole first arc has just been worth it, yeah. just jumping on board. And just such an interesting take for something that, that's something, for something that's already been done, that's been published, page, like pages have been out there to almost like do it anew now in floppy form. Like it's, it's pretty cool. I'm actually very thankful that I get to like experience this like all over again. Yeah, it's like the time. opposite. Usually you start yeah. with floppies and go trade. They went trade and went to floppies. So. Yeah. So yeah, it's really cool. Um, highly recommend destiny new york i cannot recommend it enough <laughs> um from we don't we want to run down the creative team because the artist changes between arcs oh so yeah no this one for sure uh so for this one written by pat shand illustrated by Ma- manuel Pre- Pre- Preitano, and oh, yeah. lettering by jim campbell and edited by shannon lee nice um check out destiny new york volume five kickstarter is active right now i've already funded it so it literally got funded in a day it got 100 percent in a day it was the fastest ever so it's already had it already has like a it set following for it already to be funded in a day like this where people, that people just want this next the volume this next chapter i'm excited for it yeah definitely and i'm i'm spreading the word about it uh <laughs> i'm gonna send a copy to one of my best friends the one i mentioned in our last uh, jukebox episode actually nice. that i went to pride with i think she will love it so yeah Awesome. All right. So, kicking over to another publisher. All the publishers this week, guys. We are going to go over to IDW. Uh, I have one quick book, and that's Star Wars The High High Republic Adventures. This is the one about the young Padawans chilling with Yoda and buckets Mm -hmm. of blood, the best Jedi ever. (laughs) Um, And written by Daniel Jose Older, art by Harvey Talabao, Pal Rodericks, and Manuel Bracci. Colors by Rebecca Nolte and letter by Jake M. Wood. This is the conclusion of the first arc. So we got the one girl who has force powers, has hidden it her entire life, and her best friend who doesn't trust Jedi. And they both basically have been recruited by different sides of you know the conflict, and they've been trying to get to each other, but at the same time, not neither of them are actually going to give up on the other side. But they're thinking, if I reach them, maybe I could talk some sense into them. Well, in the end, they see each other and they're not able to resolve their differences. And in the end, the young girl is accepted as a Padawan and the other, the other kid is taken in by the criminal organization and it's all going to build to a big conflict between them. So it's going to be interesting. Yeah. That's actually really cool. Kind of like literally kind of going dark side that way for being the, the field trip one out of the, out of all these comics or going into the Republic thing. Yeah, and so I really, really dig it. It's a lot of fun. Um, I'm really back into my Star Wars kick, so nice. which we'll talk about later. Ooh, but, did you start the novel? 
No, no, I um, there's another Star Wars book. <laughs> so, <laughs> oh, okay, so, cool, cool. Yeah. So yeah, uh, good stuff. Pick it up uh, if you are really wanting to find out about the High Republic, which I think more sh- people should be reading because it seems really cool. And yeah. Totally unlike anything Star Wars you've read before. So now we're going to take it to a new publisher for us that caught my eye and Josue happened to pick it up as well. Yeah. Clover Press. Now, this is the only comic I've ever seen from Clover Press and I hope to see more in the future. Hmm. Uh, I looked at their their information online and they do very niche stuff is there was what they basically okay. said. So it's, um, it's not like they put out a bunch of comics and I miss it, you know? Uh, but it is Clover press and it's issue one of their adaptation of the great Gatsby. Now, some of you had to read the great Gatsby in school. I didn't have to, <laughs> So, because I didn't have to, I actually liked it. Uh, so, um, they literally, it's written by F. Scott Fitzgerald, the author of the book, so it's not adapted at all. Mm-hmm. They just took the dialogue. Uh, it, it, well, there is an adapter. Ted Adams did adapt it, but it's, it's, he basically, you know, took it and put it in the right places, is what he did. Mm-hmm. Art is by uh, Jorge, how do you say that last name? Uh, Coelho. Coelho. Okay, I've never had to say that out loud. Thank you. It's, um, my favorite author has that last name too, Pablo Coelho. Yes, Brazilian yeah, I, I've always seen it, but I never know how to say it. So yeah, um, color flats by Inez Amaro and lettering by Robbie Robbins. Um, so I mean, spoilers: it's the Great Gatsby. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I really absolutely love the art. So the artist uh, is Portuguese. Uh, he's actually from Portugal, and um, that's why I was like, I've heard the name, and it's because. I used to date a girl that was Portuguese nice. so, for a long time. Uh, but I absolutely love the character designs. Yes. Um, I love how Daisy looks. Um, I love the very brief shot of Gatsby we get at the end. Oh, man. Where he yeah. looks like Howard Stark, like a motherfucker. A little bit. I, I did like <laughs> this uh, this take on him. Yeah. Um, but it's really cool. And it's it. I was a big fan of the, the film adaptation that came out not too long ago with Leo. The 2013, I yeah. actually really enjoyed it. A lot nice. of people shit on it, but I really so liked she it. Hella likes it, too, only because she, like, she hella fucking loves Toby, too. Toby and Leo. So she was just dropped in already. And Terry Mulligan, so she was already like a fan of it. Yeah, so uh, this is a good, faithful adaptation. I would be on board if they did this for multiple different classic novels. Just this style. Yeah, just, just to redo it, make it nice. It's good, thick cover. It's like a good, like yeah, the paper yeah. cover. I really enjoy it. So, uh, but totally enjoyable. I, I'm gonna add this to my my list to be pulled, and so yeah. do I. Only because it's so obscure. Like I don't want like a, the shop to miss it or just to pass up on it, mm-hmm. and it's not really selling. I expect like, them be- not to have any issue twos mm-hmm. unless I order one. So, um, and yeah, so I pulled up the Clover Press Twitter, and it says. A progressive eclectic boutique publisher. Nice. Oh, that's really pretty. And so, did you see the thing at the end? This advertisement on the back page. Oh, which one was it? It's an art book. Oh yeah, and it's got a quote from Guillermo del Toro. Oh no shit! Yeah, yeah. So I was like, ooh, and then I'm like, oh god, I'm going to spend so much money. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, Clover Press, you're on our radar. I promise. For sure. So, yeah. Uh, anything else you want to say about it, Gatsby? No, I, I really actually I really enjoyed this. Again, it was like my partner who was on the shattered it out to be like, Hey, if you see this, like make sure to pick it up. Like they actually really love the book and the movies. 
and I'm very not familiar with with this book and have only seen like the Leo movie like once. So so when I'm so when I'm picking this up, I'm I'm kind of expecting like, oh, what's the comic twist? What's the little like take on it into into this one? But no, it's just like I, I like how it was worded like in the back where it's just like this story has been adapted in all different kinds of ways and forms that but just never in this medium. So here presents F. Scott Fitzgerald the great Gatsby. And I was like, well, that's really, that's really cool. And as I'm reading it, it and some like the, the narrations, like I actually pass over, like, as you're reading the novel, like the page, this whole page with like Tom's setting and then Tom's description, like these two just like really read off. Like as if I was reading it from the novel itself, like it's, I actually really enjoyed it. Except that it felt like a much diff- different experience going into comics. Yeah, definitely. The one thing that that really threw me off, I had to kind of like go back and forth instead of just like that thing where I go back and forth or or go backwards instead of like keep on reading until I get like the answer right in front of me on the next page, is that um, they make Nick so super blonde, and then when he gets to the to the scene with Daisy and her friend, they make the friend super blonde. So you think she'll be Daisy to be since like they're like relatives. Yes, yeah. Um, but they make Daisy like hella brunette. So it's like I was thrown off a little bit by that. And it also doesn't help in the movies. Um... Uh, Daisy yeah. was super blonde. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, that too. Yeah, that threw me off. And then the friend was... I, I can't remember. She had dark hair in the movie. I can't remember now. I can't remember. Anyways. Um, no, uh, real quick about Gatsby, though. I love it. it you said you'd, you've never read the book, really? Mm-hmm. I think it has... This is my really terrible literary opinion that I'll get roasted for, but I think it has probably the best ending of a novel ever, in my opinion. Ooh, okay. So, like, the last line, and a lot of people know this because if you see Man on the Moon with Jim Carrey, where he plays mm-hmm. Andy Kaufman, yeah. he reads this part at the end of that joke about him reading the entire Great Gatsby. Yeah. But it's like, it's like you know, it ends, it eluded us then, but that's no matter. Tomorrow we will run faster, stretch out our arms further, and then one fine morning, dot, dot, dot. So we beat on, boats against the current, borne back ceaselessly into the past. Fuck yes. Like that's that's fucking literary porn for me. I don't care. It's so fucking good. So yeah. I'm all I'm all in for it. So yeah. Uh all right. Switching up to Scout slash Black Caravan Comics. Host wait, tell us about Black Friday. This is the end, right? Yeah, and probably uh, th- this shows uh worst transition from <laughs> I, know, right? I was just thinking that too. <laughs> So, uh, Black Friday by Black Caravan is uh, writing in the colors are done by John Clark and illustrations by uh, Travis Williamson. And this is about the portal to literal hell uh, in your in one of your favorite retail shops, and how this whole thing be- is basically just one giant sacrifice uh, based Ooh, around. That's interesting, actually. Yeah, it, it almost, it's, I don't say going straight to like the purge, but it's basically like the uh, the corporate heads up on top have basically done this deal or like the whole location, location, location. Like how in the woods. Kind of. Yeah. <laughs> Only like, and why certain places um, are successful is because of certain sacrifices that take place. Nice. Uh, and in this case, it's just pretty much Javier, the, the main character, his, his struggle of just trying to go from aisle to aisle to try to make it out or figure this shit out to just survive. And the one thing that just, it, I mean, it didn't suck because like I said, it was a story, but again, she didn't deserve it either. Uh, C- uh, Ceci, kind of like his love interest like they kind of were doing something like stuff like something on the side just because like they didn't have anything else going on in their lives and working in the retail but now in this case she just had to die and just it just really sucked and only because the main demon smiley 
literally just kept dragging her around like it was almost like she's already dead like and we're reading comic book just let her die in like in those panels way back there there's no reason to just drag her around and just mutilate her body more and more um only what so like he can get like a little like burst of anger so he can like go into the the manager's office and then figures out the manager's still alive and the whole thing it doesn't call back to the beginning of the story and then the first issue where like the manager as pompous and as douchey as he was uh, he also had this like corporate ring and when the demons started popping out popping off uh, there was a moment where like the demons were like scared of him but not really him it was the ring so he figures out this ring is actually powerful and it's basically just they're the the managers are like their lackeys so at least like they get some protection so he wrestles it he fights it off off of him and just like then lets the demons have him instead and he makes it out and then all the demons literally just like go back in their hole like almost like they had their fill and that was it so and hmm. and then almost like everything is gone like he's like still a bloody mess but like all the blood and all like the mess isn't uh, everything's almost like disappeared he looks at the cameras outside and he sees like the 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 black suv show up and be like i right, i got i gotta bounce but because he's it's at a big chain retail store there's a gun section and he stocks up and loads up and the last page is him going to corporate and having words with them <laughs> and <laughs> <Nice>. the end <laughs> it was good it was very dark again like i very i really did like all like the weird warping distorted white demons like they were like the way they were just like super pale and like the way their moths were just like hang out it, it was really cool so they were just like making a bunch of different monsters there was just like the way they, they would just like creep around it was just man i'd be hella fucking scared if i had to like run around a fucking walmart running away from demons like that hell no <laughs> <laughs> nice all right another transition guys we're going to talk about a dark horse now uh, i have two dark horse books I don't think Husway has either of them, so I'll just get into it myself. Uh, first thing is, second volume of Norse Mythology by Neil Gaiman. Nice. Started. So it is Norse Mythology number one. Stories and words by Neil Gaiman. Scripts and layouts by Pete Craig Russell. Letters by Galen Showman. Art by Matt Horak. Colors by Laverne Konzerski. And that is it. I did get the David Mack cover, because it's a David Mack cover. It's always worth you it. always get those. <laughs> <laughs> so... Um, this is the story of the Mead of Poets, which is a great one. Now, the funny thing is, it has a little intro about, like, why do some people have inspiration to tell poems? And it's set in modern times. It's just a little one-page cartoon. But the best part was, that's clearly meant to be a young Neil Gaiman. Oh, which is hell yeah. To me. Every time. <laughs> so, I love it. Um, so, basically, long story short, so... I'll make this as easy as I can for those of you who don't know anything about Norse mythology. You have two kinds of gods in Norse mythology. You have the Aesir and you have the Vanir. The Aesir are the ones you know. Thor, Loki, uh, Odin, Heimdall. They're all Aesir. The Vanir are like Freya and Frey. Like that, they're, they're brother-sister gods for the most part. And they're, they're the ones of the Earth. Long time... Uh, Legend has it, they fought, and they were, they were equal, they couldn't defeat each other. So they decided to negotiate a peace. And when they did, when they negotiated peace and they came to an agreement, they all spit into a big pot. And so it was just a big pot of spit, which is just lovely. Gross. <laughs> and then they're like, alright, cool, and we had a party, and they're like hungover, getting ready to leave. And they're like, oh, we have a pot of spit here, what do we do with it? And then Freya is like, oh, let's make a man. And so she uses the spit to form a man, and he becomes Kavasar, who is the wisest of all gods. He becomes a god, 
And basically, any question you ask, he knows the answer. Long story short, he gets tricked by some dwarves. He's, or no, Dark Elf, excuse me. He's killed. His blood is turned into mead. Whenever you drink it, you have inspiration of poetry. And people want this mead, and so the dwarves have to keep, like, they kill a giant, they kill another giant, then the the son of the giants, like, comes, takes the mead, it's, it's all happening, and meanwhile, the, the gods didn't know what happened to Gavasser. They love him, and they want him back. They find out, and now Odin is out for revenge. This is going to be one of those ones that's going to be multiple issues, uh, but it's really, really good. It's one of the few ones that actually really prominently features Odin as the main character instead of Thor or Loki. Yeah. And it's 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 a lot of fun. I really, really enjoy it. He also, even though it's Odin and not Thor or Loki, he does use trickery. That's kind of what he does. Nice. He's just not quite as clever at it, you know what I mean, as Loki would be. So, but really, really enjoyable. I'm really digging it. God, I just love seeing Norse mythology in animated form. It's just so That's great. Cool. One of my favorite things ever is Norse mythology. So definitely, at the very least, look out for the storyteller issues. Then, yeah, I thought about it. I didn't realize it was Loki until I saw your tweet, and I was like, "Damn it!" Honestly, I didn't <laughs> know. I didn't know until I picked it up again. I, I never know what the titles are going to be. Them being uh, an anthology series, and at the end, I'm like, "Oh, I'm a fucking idiot. Why, why wouldn't I be expecting a Loki story and tricksters?" Yeah. Uh, my other book is Rangers of the Divide number two, uh, written by Megan Huang. Done everything done by Megan Huang. Nice. Um, so this one, if you remember, it's about some like recruit soldiers in this organization and they're being taken out by a veteran officer and they have dragons and they got to do this whole thing. Um, it's really cool. It's very much, it feels like an animated show. Oh like yeah. The art. It, it, yeah. It, it's very much like Avatar, the last airbender kind of style. Maybe mm-hmm. it's really enjoyable. Um, my only hesitation is, and I should keep in mind, this is two pay two issues. Yeah. Um, I need I need some of the characters to kind of differentiate themselves a little bit. It oh, works yeah. a little bit in this one because there's multiple soldiers. You kind of get an idea of the leader. He looks all like Geralt from uh, Witcher. And you see the girl who's very eager to please. So those are the two you really get developed in the first one. This one, there's like a brother and sister twin combo. And you get a little bit from them. I would have liked it to be a little bit longer, but I know the constraints of comic books. That's how it is. So. Yeah. Um, but yeah, very enjoyable uh, from Dark Horse Comics. Rangers of the Divide, pick it up. It's really great. Switching gears. Once again, we are on the lightning round at this point, people. <laughs> um, <laughs> we are going to talk about Aftershock Comics. Now, we have three books. Huxway has two of them. I have one by myself. So I will start with the one I don't share. And that is Silver City number two. Yeah. You passed up on number one. Right I did. Right? Okay. So, uh, written by Olivia Cortero Briggs, uh, art and color by Luca Murley, and letter by Dave Sharp. So, this is the one where that plane crashed into the airport and killed all those people, and they mm-hmm. woke up in the afterlife where you still have to have a job, and something's going on. Um, so, we get a really cool revelation. So, the main character that we uh, got to know, who is just amazing, I absolutely love her, um, we get to find out a little bit Basically, her brain gets woken up, and it's an awakening is what it's called. And she um, she finds out more about what happened to her right before her death. And so they're in the airport. Her, basically, her boyfriend at the time is like, hey, we're going to go to Hawaii for a month out of nowhere. And she's like, okay. And her friend is like, that's really sketchy. Don't do it. But Rue is like, no, I love him. We're going to go. And so they're in the airport. And then she goes, she she tells him, 
you might be my just you just might be my soulmate. And he says, something tells me you won't feel that way for long. And I'm like, what? Huh. And she goes, what's that supposed to mean? He's like, we have to get out of here. And she goes, what? We're boarding. He's like, come with me now. And so he drags her off. And that's the fight the other people saw, them having a fight. And he drags them off. She, they go upstairs. The they see the plane crash where they just used to be. And Rue's like, holy crap, we almost died. And then he, she turns around and he's got a gun. He says, I'm so sorry, be brave, and then he shoots her. Fuck. Yeah, so she didn't die in the plane crash, he shot her. Huh. Why, is the question. Yeah. And one of the things they emphasized last issue is that people have, um, if you're dead, your eyes are either white, black, or gray. You don't have color in your eyes. Ooh, that's cool. That's That's how when you're dead, they can check your eyes to see if you, you know, are actually dead. And, uh, the little girl that we saw in the first issue Basically, she she gets her period, and they're like, "But your bodies don't change when you're down here. How did she get her first period? How what, what's going on here?" And they're like trying to figure it out, and they're like, "They checked her. She must be dead. If her eyes are gray, black, or, or anything other than white, gray, or black, they know she's actually in a vegetative state upstairs. Upstairs, basically." And, she, and the girl goes, "Well, my my eyes are actually gray in real life." It's oh like, fuck! <laughs> so you find out she's actually in a coma up there. And now the new mission becomes help her wake up so she's not dead forever. Oh, shit. Yeah. That's cool. Okay, that's cool. I, I, that definitely elaborated and opened up the story a lot more. Definitely. It's so cool. It piqued my <laughs> interest for sure. Yeah, it's definitely it really caught my attention. The first issue was a lot of fun. It was really pretty and stuff. But this one, man, it hooked me. It was so cool. And yeah. then, like, the intrigue, almost like a lost level intrigue. Maybe mm-hmm. it's because of playing in an airport. I get <laughs> that association, but really good stuff. All right. Book number two for Aftershock, which is Project Patron number oh, three. Nice. Uh, written by Steve Orlando, uh, drawn by Patrick Piazzalunga, colored by Carlos Lopez, and lettered by Hassan Atsmane Alhau. Okay. So you guys know this one. It's the world where their big superhero, their Superman, if you will, uh, died. And they started up a secret organization with a robotic copy of him that they can, you know, or not a robotic, I think it's like genetic, uh, genetic copy of him that they can control using a little thing. Their commander ends up dying in the, in the first mission that we see. Um, so now all of them are kind of hesitant to do it. This one was really cool because until the end, we didn't really get a mission. Mm-hmm. It was more about them as a group. And we find out more about them as a group, which is a lot of fun. Um, I really enjoyed, um, learning more about davin the big dude yeah like i love the bit where he's you know he's talking about how he never got to tell you know the the commander or something well, i can't remember the exact wording he used but i was like oh god was he in love with him that made me so sad <laughs> like he's like i don't know it was just it was just kind of interesting the way everything happened and i just and we find out more about why he died it wasn't just he got old. It was a glitch. Well, not a glitch because the glitch no. is accidental. Yeah. <laughs> so a lot of really cool tension building up, a, a really great mystery. And then we get a really cool thing at the end where I'll let Josue describe what happens because I saw his tweet and I thought it had a good impression on him. Well, I mean, it was a whole case of fuckery. It was like, there's no, like, <laughs> when a villain pulls off a grand move like this that you just can't take back, the heroes can't avert it to begin with, or in this case, anymore. It's just like, 
wow, we're dealing with some real shit here. And then not to spoil the big reveal, but then there's another, it's like, it was like a part two phase to this. And I was like, oh my God, everything's so messed up. And our heroes aren't even ready. They basically gambled their potential spy into the suit just so they could have a chance to talk amongst themselves, just <laughs> figure out if they weren't a, a spies in it amongst themselves. And yeah, um, they're, nobody's fucking ready for this now. It's awesome. So cool. It's it's really cool. <laughs> like, yeah, no, for sure. And I mean, obviously, there's an homage there that we're going to talk, you know, talk about yeah. in later issues. I'm sure with the reveal of the person, but yeah. Um, all right, next book is a number one, and I'm so happy you picked this up. I was like, when I read it, I'm like, I hope Josue picked this up. I was hoping you were going to uh, swing to this one too. Oh yeah, it's right <laughs> up my alley. Uh, Seven Swords, number one. Uh, written by Evan Dougherty, or Dauturi, sorry. Uh, artist is Ricardo Latina. Colorist is Valentina Bianconi. And lettering by Dave Sharp. Okay. I'm a sucker for swashbuckling. Like, I <laughs> fucking love it. And so, this story is set post Three Musketeers era of France. We catch up with D'Artagnan, and he's confessing to a priest. And you find out that he actually, obviously we know that the church, not the whole church, a good portion of the church were the enemy in Three Musketeers. Mm -hmm. And um, he ends up killing the priest because he was there. And then he picks a fight with like a whole bunch of sword wound priests. Turns out, we find out later they're not actually priests, by the way. He's not just killing a bunch of you know, Catholic priests. Um, but he has this awesome, awesome swashbuckling fight that I just fucking love. This fucking page. Dude, I was going to say, we need oh. to call out this page. Like, oh. I love highlighting it in uh, in Nightwing. It does great mm -hmm. motion in the uh, across the page. This one was really fucking cool. Yeah, especially when you get like the close up shots of like what's hope what's happening. Like when he just throws like the classic tying the the rope around the, around the dude, throwing him over so that the rope can swing you out to the next level. Classic. I fuck. I, I love this. <laughs> I love this part. <laughs> yeah. So D'Artagnan runs into uh, a woman and has a fight with her, and it's a stalemate. She disappears. Oh, yeah. And he runs into uh, Monsieur Le Treville, who is the captain of the guard, uh, of the musketeer guard. And he's like, yeah, she's with me, by the way. Uh, so, <laughs> um, and then he basically, he basically explained, hey, we, there's, there's a mission. We need you to gather these seven swords, these seven people to fight. Yes. And then we start meeting the people. And I immediately, as soon as I'm reading this, I'm like, immediately my head goes into, okay, here's who I want in this story. <laughs> the very first thing they do is they show me Don Juan. <laughs> and I'm like, motherfucker, yes. Yes, motherfucker. Because it would be very tempting to go Zorro. I think yeah. going Don Juan is way more fun. <laughs> oh, hell yeah. <laughs> uh, we also get a bit where um, where D'Artagnan is haunted by the death of the other um, the musketeers. Uh, we see uh, Treville is actually killed, um, so we, he has to take up the mission, basically. Then we see a pirate ship, and we don't get a confirmation of who this is, but he basically says, do you know why I fly a crimson flag? And he goes, I reckon it's on account of your name, Captain. So, this is either Redbeard or Captain Blood. Ooh. I haven't figured out which one it is yet. Yeah. So, so because he says, you see, blood isn't red. Not really. It's much closer to black. And he, he kills a bunch of people. It's great. <laughs> it's always great. Um, 
Also, I got to point out that the the Cardinal in this, that is 100% based on Tim Curry's portrayal of the Cardinal <laughs> in for the fucking Three Musketeers movie. It looks exactly like yeah. it. It's insane. No, you mentioned it for sure. Like, I, actually, I see the eyes now more than anything. It yeah. totally is. <laughs> so, and then we get some character bios in the end. And, oh, yeah, we were also introduced to Cyrano. Cyrano de Bergerac, which mm. is great. So, um, that's another one I was like, yes! Like, I just, every time they reveal a character, I'm like, yes! I just get more excited. <laughs> so, I fucking love this book. This is this is going to be so much fun to keep up with. And the art is gorgeous. Oh, totally. I w- already, okay, I know, I know there's a discourse in comics of let comics be comics. It doesn't always have to be adapted to something else. Mm-hmm. I want this to be adapted. I want this to be an FX show. I want them to give it to the same people that did um, uh, Into the Borderlands. Oh my god, my mom went blank. What's it called? Oh no, it's so good. It's got... Whatever, anyways. I'll look it up. Uh, But I want it to be done there. I want want, uh, Joshua Sass from <laughs> Galavant to play D'Artagnan. I dude, this is what happens when you like when <laughs> when I get into the uh like like just feeling how great this is. Oh, I just I can't I just, uh, Well, this, ah. I mean, this book is just uh, off the bat going to be a great read, a very fun one. Like just by the, by the genre alone, like there's like the Seven Samurai, like the Seven Gunslinger movies, comedy or not. We haven't had one like this, and like the whole cast, like different swordmasters throughout the time, throughout different stories. How, how has this not been done before, or if not many times? Like again, like I said, it's, it's just going to be a very, very fun read. Yeah, definitely. Uh, I just, I just, oh, it's so good, and I want all of it. <laughs> all I'm going to say, <laughs> like I just want it all. So. Um, yeah, uh, highly, highly recommend. Uh, probably my number one of the the week. This one, I mean, my indie number one of the week. A first issue, yeah, a very again, a very impressionable first first issue. Yeah, definitely. So, all right, and um, next we're gonna go into it's into the Badlands. Oh my god, I can't believe I forgot. That okay, that. I love that show too. Um, uh, so, anyways, yeah, we're going to move on, and we are going to talk. It's Daniel Wu. That's who it was. I was like, it's not Donnie Yen. I don't remember who it was. Okay. <laughs> Daniel Wu was great. Anyways, uh, he's the one that should play Namor, FYI. Um, so, <laughs> uh, though I'm fine. I'm fine with the current pick. I'm fine with it. I'm not one of those people. Um, so, uh, yeah, let's move on to Image. Uh, we got a couple Image. Ho Sway. Start us off with Time Before Time, number two. Time Before Time. Uh, yeah, this ha- I'll try to be quick about this one because second issue in this one, team by uh, Declan Shelby and Roy McCon- McConville as mm-hmm. the writers, Joe Palmer as the artist, Chris O'Halloran as the colorist, Hassan Otomayolayo as the lettering. So this has like the that looper take. There's time travel with some black market. We can send they can send you to the past just so you're not like face whatever troubles are happening in the future for you in case you mess up that bad. <laughs> and in this case, in the la- what happened in the last issue was at the last second before our protagonist was just kind of go out about to, to his job, an FBI agent shows up and be like, hey, I'm hijacking your time your time machine. And they end up pushing up a bunch of buttons that they weren't supposed to, and they time travel to some distorted time. They have no idea what's going- where, where exactly they are. So now we figure out 
when exactly they are. And as, as we're kind of getting to know the two, um, she's kind of like trying to strong arm and like to be like, you know, I'm kind of running this situation here now. Um, <laughs> but he's kind of like, I'm the one that kind of knows how to time travel, if not figure out when exactly we are. Uh, so he's like, all right, fine. I guess I won't exactly kill you just yet. So she handcuffs um, him to her. So at least he won't escape. And, but then he starts figuring out when exactly they are. And because they start hearing footsteps, they overhear, they overhear the, um, this, uh, this team, like this duo, they're kind of just like speaking out loud of what's been going on. And in this case, and right before this, he's also explaining to her that the time machine uh, had like a two millennia uh, limit. So they could either be in 4141 or in the year 141. And he was like, in our case, in, in our case, because she's black, I'm really hoping it's the former. And it's like, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and, and he's and he's Asian. Um, so it's like, yeah, we definitely should not want. And they also, how the fuck would they be able to get back? So these the, uh, these guys show up and they're kind of speaking out loud. It's like, okay, based on, and he's like, based on their dialogue, I think they're actually working for the syndicate. Is it the syndicate? Basically, the, basically the other gang. Um, so they kind of give themselves up so they can kind of figure it out. And they're basically now uh, a couple of decades behind their present. They're in the year 2093. Um, and yeah, so now they kind of have to, they have to talk their way out of the situation because now they're on their, they're on the other side's turf and it's like, well, we'll just basically use you for information. And that's basically what, what the dude offers before they kind of like get rid of them. And it's like, they weren't going to believe him for anything either way. Uh, but he's like, yo, I can just give you eight years worth of information from, okay, from the syndicate. I'm forgetting where they are right now. Um, what the other, what the other, uh, gang's called. But you're like, I can offer you information and just like let us be and, and, let, and just get us back to our present. Still not figuring out why the FBI agent is there. Cause now like the, the lady running the other side, uh, she was like, yeah, I still don't know what, what that play is or how that makes sense. Again, and also, she hasn't revealed why she was on the run or why she needed to hijack the time machine in the first place. Um, but the the new lady that's gonna, that, that they're kind of there, that they're going to give all the information to, she's like, she's basically already plotting that they're going to kill them after they, they get all the information anyway. So it's kind of like, they're still very much not safe. And yeah, that's pretty much like issue two. It's still kind of building on this, this whole time travel thing or like who's really important here, or what's really going on for the other people. Mm-hmm. But yeah, it's still time traveling. And, curious it's time before time nice uh what about stillwater stillwater uh i should say eisner nominated stillwater (laughs) for a couple yeah uh creating uh uh, co-creator writer chips rt uh ramon k perez as an artist and mike spicer as a colorist and letter lettering is by uh russ wood so this one definitely takes a break from all of the chaos happening in Stillwater right now with like the Ted's, the sheriff's military team showing up and just taking control back of the town. Yeah. And this, and this issue, we take a whole uh, backstory on Tanya, who is basically the other sheriff or there was a kind of a power, power struggle between Ted and Tanya, like over at the sheriff's and it's, it's been kind of go, been going back and forth. And obviously where we last left, it's been left off is that Ted was kind of running it and, and in favor for the judge, but in this case, we sh- we see it. she wasn't a local. She was like she was an officer from a different town, and it it starts off in uh, 1996, 
and they, because of technology, she was just like a beat cop, and they basically make her start digitize, digitizing everything, like all of the files that they've ever had from like all the surrounding counties just for there. And as she's doing this, and she's like, well, this fucking sucks. Uh, by the time she's kind of like finishing up, she figures out there's a pattern. And that in the county of Stillwater, in the last like 20 something years, they haven't reported a single person to like a federal prison. So it's kind of like, wait, what the fuck? And in this case, it's like based on like, I guess like real laws. And it's like, obviously, like if a good town's a good town, I guess that's, that's, that, that could be a case. Sure. But it could also be a very lenient judge that isn't giving murders like their proper time and they're right. just like slapping on the wrist. So she's going to, she goes to investigate or she goes to Stillwater and being like, all right, she goes to the, the sheriff's office and asks like, yo, literally what, what's going on? Why haven't you been sending people? Gives her like a bullshit answer and she goes back home. Oh, she's, as she's going, traveling back home. Then, on a night, she literally gets up on a whim to just go to the kitchen, and fucking Ted is there to tr- to attempt to assassinate her. And but because she was trained, she's able to defend herself and literally get get the jump on him. Um, and he kind of to save his own ass, he drops like all the information. It's like, yo, if I can talk to the judge, we can basically welcome you in because she has a shit life too. Like, I mean, she wasn't having like a good time in her life, and this would be a good escape for her. Um. Yeah, her, what was it? Her husband left her and then her kid died. And then on top of that, she ended up getting cancer and she doesn't have that much time to live. Unless she goes to Stillwater, she had, could have a second chance. So, and this is where it kind of comes into more towards the present. And the, sh- the judge basically says yes to her. And she works at the, sh- uh, now in the sheriff's office with Ted. And now we come back to the present and how she's coming back into town post Ted and all of his militia bullshit. And Ted gained the jump on her and basically like, you're, you're pretty much done here. And like, oh, yeah. fuck, this town is just a fucking crazy. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, that's still water for now. It was, it was, it was a good backstory. Something I actually nice. needed. Thanks. All right. I picked up a number one cool. for image and that is compass. Number one. Oh, nice. Tell me about it. Uh, so it's subtitled the cauldron of eternal life written by Robert McKenzie and David Walker. Art by Justin Greenwood, colors by Daniela Miwa, and letter by Simon Bolin. Um, so this is set in 1242. And okay. it's in a in a castle, and um, basically I don't, I don't know how to describe it, because I need like a couple issues to like get a theme. I don't know okay. if it's going to continue to be a theme like this, but so we, we have a young hooded figure that's breaking into a castle to steal something. And it's really cool. It's very action-based and stuff. Um, they fall into like this pit, and they look around. They light a torch, look around this bunch of skeletons, and we find out it's not just a woman. It's a Muslim woman. And she says, Allah, have mercy. Oh, man. And so it's about her adventuring in this, trying to steal this thing in this castle. She gets confronted by someone she trusted. And then betrayed and uh she has to fight off a bunch of soldiers she beats them all all these dudes she jumps into the mode and escapes we find out that the enemies are the mongols they actually like make bits about it we don't actually ever see the uh the leader but he he does the typical bad guy thing of execute one of my guys to prove i'm evil you know kind of okay yeah which is great i love it it's one of my favorite tropes ever (laughs) um so 
Um, she escapes. She meets up with people, and there's there's like people. She's I think she's in Wales at this point. Um, she reveals that she can read, and everybody's like, "Women can't read." Like <laughs> it's just that kind of typical thing and stuff. And um, she runs into a, a knight who actually served in her homeland, so he knows her language and stuff. And it's just really respectfully done. It's really cool. And um, I really, really liked it. Um, it's it's just a cool adventure story. I like the art of the character a lot. Um, I, I like that, again, that era. It's another historical thing for us, you know? Like, I love the historical thing. And this is actually, he didn't do anything creatively with it. But across the top of it, for this, it says, Greg Rucka presents. Ooh, okay. So it's got the Greg Rucka stamp of approval. So yeah, um, I don't know exactly what role he does, but he, it might have been something he found and brought in. You know, been like give them a chance, something like that. So yeah, um, but yeah, it's really great. It's really respectful of the uh, the Muslim culture of it all, and uh, it's really great. I, I absolutely loved it. So totally worth a shot. And this next cover, I mean, how do you not want to pick up this next cover? You know what I mean? Oh, yeah, so, it's really cool. It's cool. Interesting. So, yeah, really enjoyable. Uh, next up, we I'm sure we got the rest of these together. Silver coin number three. Oh, hell yeah. Uh, silver coin number three. This one was written by Ed Brisson, with Michael Walsh once again doing the lines and letters, and with assistance from Tony Mary Griffin on the coloring. This one was interesting. Um, so if you guys don't know, the silver coin is this series with a different writer every time. And we're following the story of this cursed silver coin that people keep finding and horrible horror things start happening to them. Uh, we saw the guitarist guy who used it as a pick. We saw the little girl at the summer camp. And now we got a robbery gone wrong. What did you think, Josue? No, I, I really like this. I like that it, it, it gets told through time. Like the guitarist who was like late 60s, kind of 70s, the the early 80s camp girl for like the slasher films and now we're like mid 80s for this one and like that we get the the slight indication that it's the the firefighter from like the last at the end of the last issue just like by little, I, like, I like how it picks up where it kind of like left off a little bit even though we're just like now time skipping but now in this case it's a very very hungry coin this coin needs to feed and it gets called home and then <laughs> Yeah. He said, yeah, it was a robbery gone wrong. Little girl gets in possession of said coin. And as they're evading the robbery, because they also torched the place for some reason to just alarm that it was them too. They start going through a chase. And then it was, it, they hit a fucking curb and they ended up piling over. It gets bad. But a girl with coin survives and is still wandering in. God, it's really cool. It is really, really dope. It's, it's, of the three issues, it's the one we can talk about the least because I think this is the one that's kind of lending to the overall arc arc in the end. Yeah, and so, but it was really cool. I liked the character. She was very hesitant mm-hmm. to do everything that you know with the robbery. She didn't want to set a place on fire. None of that. So, uh, but really, really good. It's a great horror anthology we're getting right now, and I can't wait to see where it goes. And where does it go next, Hostway? But the year. 2467 hella into the future it's like like you said it's like we're trying to avoid spoilers because like it's trying to set up something or at least like it, something crazy does happen at the end of this story so it's kind of like oh i guess next issue will kind of explain this or allude to this we might but we're jumping hella forward and i cannot be more curious about this and this one's going to be written by jeff lemire so yes yeah good shit loved it next up 
Radiant Black number five. Uh, So, written by Kyle Higgins, art is two artists, uh, Eduardo Ferragato and Marcella Costa. Uh, Color by Natalia Marquez and letter by Becca Carey. Um, This book is very strange. So, when it started off, me and Host were like, cool, a superhero book. <laughs> and I was like, we haven't had a real good like non-DC Marvel superhero book in a while. Mm-hmm. Especially young superhero, you know what I mean? Yeah. So I was like, cool, this is fun. But it's definitely got a cool twist to it, and we found that out in the last issue. So we didn't talk about it, because we didn't want to spoil it. But we've got it a couple weeks now, so we're going to go ahead and talk about it. In the previous issue, the hero died. And his mantle got passed to his best friend. Um, that was shocking because they gave us four issues getting to know this kid and they just kill him. Yeah, so, which was interesting. So, so now his best friend is is the hero and he doesn't. I mean, he doesn't really want it, but he's like, "I'll do whatever you want as long as he doesn't die." And then his friend starts breathing again. Barely, he probably has brain damage. Probably yeah, has had like critical condition. Damage. It was barely a cough. It wasn't even so much as a breath. Yeah, but at least he's you know, has signs of life. So, um, but you find out that he's actually really good with, he's way better with the powers (laughs) than our original heroes. I mean, I'm pretty sure all you just needed is your cartoon imagination. You're pretty much going to rock the suit. Yeah. I also really loved this, um, video podcast talking about it. Oh my God. Cause I don't know exactly who this is referencing, but I know who this is referencing. <laughs> like, we know these guys. We all know these guys, and we all hate these guys. <laughs> so that was fun. Uh, gatekeeping assholes. Anyways, so um, he basically uh, he talks to the the robot that gave him his powers. Uh, he goes and con- he basically says, "I'll do what you want. Just let me find, you know, re- radiant black, as I call him." Um, <laughs> Apparently, and- it's radiant red. Yeah. <laughs> I like ready and those. Oh, honestly, me too. <laughs> <laughs> so they're about to, they have a big fight. He whips, he rips red's ass and red's red. You find out red's powers. Like they can make like almost like juggernaut style armor, which is really cool. He still beats the crap out of them. And the, the helmet comes off and it's a hot chick. <laughs> of course it's a hot chick. And so he's like, Oh shit. And then, what the fuck happened? Dude, <laughs> Two more radiants show up. Everything just opens up. Help me here because I am colorblind. Okay. What colors are these? Um, per, is it uh, yellow? Dude on the left is yellow. On the right is pink. It was pink. I was thinking it was pink, but I don't want to jump to a conclusion. So. Okay. And we find out, hey, there's more of us, and they get confronted by a super bad guy. And that's where we're left off. I love the way he talks. Yeah. It almost reminds me of the way Amelia talks when she's like in the robot in, in Infinity Train. Yeah. It's like, that's yeah, the way yeah. I'm trying to picture how it's supposed to sound. Yeah. I dug it. Uh, one of my favorite parts about this book is the letters page because just this one letter is Dear blah, blah, blah. What? I thought <laughs> 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 that's pretty funny. So, yeah. But yeah, I'm really digging this. It's a lot of fun. And uh, I mean, it's, it's it definitely hooked me. I'm, I'm in for it, you know? Oh no! Definitely the action in this episode and this, this episode. I'm already I'm already thinking it's a like a, a Power Rangers or a Common Rider thing because especially because apparently like, this page is was oh, yeah. kind of may or may not be a Common Rider build reference on how on how they morph. So I was like, that, that was pretty cool. 
And then after that, the, the whole fight scene that was just actually really cool. And mostly we just get like snippets of like what their gravity powers can do. Uh, but in this case, yeah, the other radiant black can actually turn into like a gets its own mech form, which yeah. is like, I like the, the way that's how they practice their, their, their powers. Meanwhile, the, this asshole is just like, Oh, I have a cape form. Yay. <laughs> Meanwhile, it's like, you can do so much more. Um, and also it didn't make me feel like a complete fool, uh, trying to, uh, theorizing that, that the dad could have been uh, the person in red since like the person in yellow is, is actually like an, an old person so like yeah I, I wasn't completely off base here <laughs> nice alright that brings us to our last image comic which is Ultra Mega number 4 I ended up getting this cover so good it's just such a great cover yeah so uh, I know Steven wished he was here with us but he's uh, busy uh, we will definitely get him on here sometime to talk about this book and other books, I promise. Uh, so, uh, let me just, I, had to, I already had a bag, so I'll pull it out here. Okay. Uh, creators, James Heron, also artist and writer of it. Dave Stewart, colored, Russ Wooden, lettered. Uh, I'm just going to kick it straight over to you, Josue. What do you think? Well, I mean, wait, how, did you actually get to read this issue? Yes. Okay. Wait, and you read the other ones? I went back and read three, yeah. Okay, cool, cool. I missed uh, it. I couldn't find it when I went to buy it. So what do you think? Because you don't get to talk about this book enough or really at all. So I'm curious what you think about this, the bonkers of this of this shit, dude. It's crazy. And it's a lot. Um, I like it. I like the... What's the word I want to use? I like... Not the nerve of it. That's not the right word. <laughs> there's There's a certain, like... I don't give a fuck about this book that I really respect. Mm-hmm. Like that. They don't really seem to give a shit about people's feelings um, or not feelings, but you know what I mean? Like, they, they, like they're like, Oh, you don't like this. Well, then this isn't the book for you. You know what I mean? Oh yeah. And it's not 100% the book for me. Um, I do like the art a lot because it reminds me of a lot of, okay. So there's like stages of image comics, right? Mm-hmm. The first stage was like the the you know McFarlane Jim Lee era, right? Yeah. And then there's a stage after that where they started doing some weird, like high end art is very strange books. Mm-hmm. This reminds me a lot of that era. Is nice. what I would say. Um, and that's kind of what it is. It's really abstract. It's really gross, which isn't oh always my, my thing. But I do like the action a lot, and I yes. like the. I guess the word I would say is breakneck speed. Oh, yeah. Like, we fly through the story in this, which is really cool. So it's not lingering. There's not a six-issue fight. You know what I mean? That's not going to happen. So, yeah, that's kind of where I'm at. What about you? Because I know this, and, uh, you know, it's it's not entirely my thing. I'm enjoying Mm -hmm. it, but it's not one of my favorites or anything. But that's why I wanted to kick it to you, because I want to see what you thought. Man, uh, well, first of all, I I just do love it. Cause it's just like just off the walls, like you like I said, breakneck speed, just craziness, like of shit that's happening. Um, episodic, like having these issues monthly like this or whenever they come out, um, is nice. Like they're actually just crazy, but it's definitely a read that it's definitely a trade read. It's it's not one hundred percent linear, and if you kind of forget, like maybe like two details of what happened for the actual story you'll forget based on like the whole craziness around it. Uh, so it's definitely something that you kind of have to like read back to back just to get like the full aspect of it. And y'all actually get to have enough time. Cause apparently this isn't going to come back until next fucking year. 
Jesus, really? I didn't yeah, see that. It's taking a break until 2022, and it's like, oh, man, why? I'm going to miss this so much. That's a long-ass break. Yeah. Um, trying to find it, but yeah, like the, the, the trade will come out in, uh, in October, so even then, the next issue isn't going to come out until like, late after that. Wow. Well, they're really thick issues, too. Not too. So, it, it, it does say it does say that too because I mean it is James Heron just doing the whole thing and just mm-hmm. basically just handing it over to to Dave to fill in the coloring. But yeah, yeah, it, it is mostly all him just doing the story and plotting it out and see where it can go from here. But yeah, uh, yeah the first Ultra Mega Collection hits and uh, hits the stores in October, and the second art will return in twenty twenty two. Not necessarily like specific date. Where I guess we do get a little bit of a Ultra Mega with the whole um, Skybound X. Uh, book like that anthology of all the different skybound books into one in that one right. shot there's gonna be like a little mini about ultra mega that does continue from there but not a whole uh, not a whole thing gotcha all right awesome well guys it's time to oh no vault books this week yeah so, um, so we're gonna move on to the big two and we're gonna start with dc comics um we have a total of four books uh, Josue, let's start you off with Superman Red and Blue number four, please. Okay. Uh, Superman, uh, <laughs> the anthology story based on two colors, red and blue, and a bunch of little mini stories about Superman. And in this case, it's like, I just have to highlight just some of the creators on the on these stories. Uh, this is the first mm-hmm. one. It's uh, Namripus, written mm-hmm. by Mark Wade and drawn by Audrey Walk. And Mark then it, Wade? <laughs> yes. Nice. Good good catch, guys. <laughs> Prospect of Tomorrow, written and illustrated by Francis Manipal, which was actually really cool. Mm. A Little is a Lot by Robert Venditti, who's just been doing a bunch of shit right now that I've been reading, mm-hmm. too, or by Aletha Martinez. And then The Man Who Was Doing Nothing by Michael J- Michael W. Conrad, who's doing Wonder Woman that I'm reading as well, art by Coley Hamner, and then Hashtag Saved by Superman, written by Rich Duick, and art by Ooh. Joe Quionis, which is literally the reason why I got it. just... For my support for Rick. Uh, for Rich. Yeah, Rick is awesome. So, the first one, Namrapus. And I really, really like this one. It's basically a whole... It takes place in the fifth dimension. And the the whole thing is about Mr. Mixelflick. Is that the way you uh, pronounce it? Yeah, yeah. So, he's pretty much like on his dumps. Where that he's basically on a timeout to um, fucking fucking with us in the third dimension. Because th- we were... Someone someone made him say his name, so he has on a he basically has a ninety day timeout to to mess with us. Right, and the whole time he he hates being home because everybody else is like him. So whenever he tries to pull a, a practical joke on someone, everybody just has a good sense of humor about it, and he's he can't really fuck with people. <laughs> there's a this great moment where there's like a like a a total total babe who's just interested in him, and it's like, hey, like let's go on a date, let's go on a picnic, and everything, and he's just like, you know, like, sure, whatever. By the way, have some peanut brittle, and it does. And she, that scene in Community where the Troy brings up the peanut brittle or the the yeah. the, pea, the the jelly beans, and she's yeah. like, "Oh shit, you're gonna trick me! Awesome, I love this!" Like, no, I, um, I a little good practical joke, and she opens it, and it's real pe- peanut brittle, <laughs> and she's like, "What the <laughs> fuck!" Like, and she literally just like make, like just leaves him behind just because it was actually not a practical joke, and this is when Superman shows up. <laughs> And now the tables have turned and Superman has vowed to mess with him until he makes Superman say his name backwards. Enter the name Namripus. 
<laughs> and Superman is just doing a bunch of Golden Age silly ass shit to Mixoplick. And it's just driving him fucking crazy. And Mixoplick is just trying to concoct different ways to make him say it. Like he runs like a, a diner and there's like a, something in the menu with the name. He makes Superman enroll into like an actual university over there to make the pro- say the professor's name be his the Superman name backwards, and nothing's working. There's an actual throwback reference to I guess someone in the Golden Age or maybe even Silver, where apparently at one point Superman recorded Mixoplex uh, say his name so he can play it backwards out loud, and thus that's the way he wa- he beat him that time. Yeah, and he does it, but nothing happens. The, the the little record says Namrapus, but nothing happens. And he's just like, oh, what the fuck? He literally gives up. Like He's just like almost like, like dude, you fucking win. Um, and at the end, it's like, what is, how does, what is Superman actually, what's his whole reasoning? Uh, yeah, he basically just, uh, just fucks with him, and he tries to, he tries to make him see like, hey, you see, you, you see, almost basically, like, hey, you see how it's not nice? Like, I don't like it when you do it to me either. And the, yeah, that's what, okay, sorry. I figured out what it was. Superman starts going into a Boy Scout Superman lecture. And the whole time, it's agony for Mixoplick. He's literally just, like, covering his ears. He can't take this giant lecture and being like, hey, be nice onto others so, like, you can be happier. There's a great part where he's literally bonking his head on a tree to just make it stop. <laughs> and then at the end, um, Clark just sighs and is like, I tried reason- reasoning with you, foolish on me. And then he goes, Tanek, Clark. What? I didn't hear that. What? Poof. Oh, that's great. <laughs> and uh, Mixoplake just still doesn't get it. It's just like reveling and celebrating. And then. Babe shows up and kisses him on the cheek, and she and he's just like, "Oh wait, what?" And she's like, "Oh yeah, the the nice man told like basically made me realize what you actually did. The whole prank of not being a prank was the prank." <laughs> <laughs> and then he's like, "Wait, wait, wait, what do you mean? Who the fuck told you? The nice man with the red cape." And now he's pissed off all over again because Superman ended up helping him out win the date. <laughs> it was so great. I I don't know why I just love this one so much. That's great. Uh, the next one, the uh, Francis Manipal, which is really good for like the art style. It's just blood red on the pages and just highlights on the blue everywhere. Um, really, uh, really cool. Um, only because actually it does a highlight on one of my favorite Superman rogues that doesn't get enough love. And I wish they would do more stuff with him since he's already part Kryptonian or at least a copy of it. But it's about Bizarro. He's basically stuck. He's basically stuck on Mars, which is, is a great reference because like we're gonna talk about mars later but um he's stuck on mars like basically a, a saddle of a satellite or a rover just like <laughs> end up crashing on top of him and he's basically almost like dying from like a blue kryptonite yes yeah, right the meteor was a blue kryptonite and not being able to move it he was just like just almost dying just like the whole thing is like based on, based on his perspective and just like being super alone and just like there's a part where he just started blame superman for something when superman is the one that, that saves him and just it's kind of thankful it almost like kind of kind of turning over a new leaf uh, for him um yeah a couple more superman stories the one the other one i wanted to get like, there's two bizarre stories this is why i kind of really like this issue uh the okay. other one where he again he's alone and it's kind of highlighting somebody kind of messes with him um what is it uh, yeah mixo it's really sad because mixo play kind of is the one that messes with him again, again another really callback with him and now they're all together 
and he he makes Bizarro like have this weird like false memory or like just like weird interaction with like the Justice League like oh it's your birthday happy birthday and they all basically just like plan to like make fun of him at the end like they his present is like a mirror and it says like false copy and like they all start pointing at him and he's just like it is it's really fucking sad and at the end he just like he busts out from like his for- fortress of multitude and you see that it's, it's mixed plate that was just like messy with him and at the end um superman is there to kind of like hey i heard it was your birthday so he kind of brings him a cupcake so it's really nice at the end <laughs> and now for the rich duick story uh, it goes it goes really quick it being the last one but it's basically this little fucking this little fucker this uh youtuber was at, made it to the rooftop of the daily planet with his little camera and he slips and thus obviously superman hears it saves him and instead of saying thank you he goes back to his vlog he's like yo did you guys see that and then it becomes a whole viral challenge basically put yourself in oh, danger good god and superman will come and save you and yay views and likes and it happens everywhere and and until I guess there's one point where he comes back to like the first kid and he does save him from again from like the other challenge again, but instead of putting him down, he takes him up to like the he takes him up to like the skies and like kinda scare him straight, but he basically gives like a little lecture. It's like, yo, you see all this? This is everything I'm trying to save apart from doing outworld shit, apart from doing Lex's bullshit, apart from my rogues gallery. I gotta do now do this bullshit. So please, almost just like I'm not like Batman where I would make you stop. So I'm asking you to stop. So it kind of gets like a, a real moment with Superman. So it's kind of, like, it does make him stop hopefully, but it was kind of like, Holy shit. Imagine a Metropolis viral challenge where you just have to like throw yourself base jump without a parachute, hoping Superman will catch you. <laughs> no, fuck that. Dude. Fuck that shit. <laughs> so yeah, that, that was the end of that book. It, it was, it was a good anthology series. At least this one was. Nice. Is that the uh, the last issue? Oh, no, uh, this issue was. I think the next one might be the last one. Okay, gotcha. Okay, cool. All right, I got a couple DC books. Uh, Supergirl, Woman of Tomorrow. Nomenclature aside. No, no. Actually, let's address it. Supergirl, Woman of Tomorrow is not a title I enjoy. She just should just be Superwoman. There's not a Superwoman anymore. Why isn't she Superwoman? Oh, yeah. She's 21 years old in this story. She's Superwoman. Mm. Yeah, that's, that's annoying. So, but I do enjoy the book. I'm not. I, that's just I want to get that out of the way. That just little, is this an ongoing or a mini? Could be a setup into a. It's a an mini. On, it's one okay. one of eight. I mean, I'd be cool. Like, the whole like subtitle "Woman of Tomorrow" is set up to an ongoing four Superwoman or to get the title. I mean, yeah, yeah, but I mean, yeah, hopefully. So, um, written by Tom King, drawn by Boquis Evely, nice. and colored by Matthias Lopes. And letter by Clayton Cowles. So this was a very strange book, but I loved it. So you okay. can see the style is kind of like the one from Future State, which I really enjoyed. Right. And Crypto is involved. Crypto's chilling with her and stuff. But the entire book is spent with this young girl. And it's in this world with like swords and shit. And you find out that her father was killed by a wanderer, and you're like, what's going on here? And it's not until halfway through the book we even see Supergirl. And they're at this, like, fantasy bar, and this girl's, like, trying to hire somebody to kill the guy that killed her father. And the guy's the guy takes the sword she was going to use as payment and is like, thanks, I'm not going to do it. Like, basically, fuck you. And so she's trying to get the sword back. The guy backhands her. And then Supergirl is drunk at a table. 
And she's like, no, I'll give her a sword back. And so she picks this fight. And you're like, what the fuck is she doing? Where the fuck is she? Like, is she back in time? What's happening here? She beats the dude up, gives her the sword back. And the girl's like, can you help me kill the guy that killed my father? And she's like, no, I don't do that. She's like, I'm only on your planet because it has a red sun. Ooh. And it lets me get drunk, basically, oh, on her shit. 21st birthday. So, um, so she's about to take off in her ship. And the dude that killed her father finds them and shoots Supergirl in the chest with an arrow oh, under wow. a red sun. That's bad news. Yeah. And then uh, Crypto attacks and he shoots Crypto in the neck. Oh, my God. Yeah. And so they're basically trying to recover. The dude jumps in her spaceship, which was already ready to take off. And he takes off in her ship. And now she's trapped on this planet. So it's going to be like a fantasy epic, but with Supergirl. That's cool. And I think that's a really cool idea. Like, that's that's some not something I've seen, like, DC do outside of Gym World, which is a lot of fun, but still. So, I, I really enjoy it. I'm looking forward to it. Um, I've had my past issues with Tom King, but we've we've settled our beef. He doesn't know that we had beef. But, yeah, we settled it. <laughs> we settled so. our differences. It's pretty good. <laughs> yeah. So, let's just say the enemy of my enemy is my friend. <laughs> 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 um, yeah. Next up, Josue, did you get both of these other books, or do you only have one DC book left? I, can't I got two left. Okay, good. We will start with uh, Nightwing. Ooh, okay. Nightwing, 81. This Pride cover is all the sex. Yeah, I almost went with it. I it was it. just like the one before, the very I got last time, that one for, that to me was all the sex, and this one was really good, too. Yeah. So... Okay, let's just do creative team. Just to, just to get that over with, because because we have we have feelings about this. Good feelings. Yeah. Good feelings. Um, as you guys know, Nightwing has basically been the best book that DC is putting out, and that has not changed. As yeah. We'll say. Um, oh God, DC just put the credits at the beginning. It doesn't have to be artistic. <laughs> <laughs> it's like the third page, second page in. Is it? I went right well, past one, it. one, two, and then it's right there in the fire. Oh, it's all tiny. Damn it. Okay. All right. Written by Tom Taylor. Drawn by Bruno Redondo. Colored by Adriano Lucas. And lettered by Wes Abbott. So when we left left off, uh, Nightwing was about to fight Heartless. We do get a very short fight between them, but that's not the point of this issue. Mm-hmm. It's one of those, I'll get you next time moments. Yeah. Um, it's a really cre- great moment where Nightwing, basically, these kids are stuck on a destroyed dock, and he basically is like, well, you know, open me up to the maritime channels, and they're like, "Do you really think people are going to help?" Yes, everybody helps. Yeah, actually, everybody who's ever been a creative person in DC apparently helps because yep. all the ships are named after creators in DC, which I thought was great. This is the Sealy. Yeah, the Sealy. Yeah. I was like, okay. <laughs> At that point, like. you start catching on. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I was like, all right then. Um, but yeah, they uh, they save them. It's great, and you're like, oh, what a fun story. It's not over. It's not nearly over. Okay, we, um, before we move on to the, to the poor big stuff, we need to talk about Bitewing. Bitewing is a great puppy yes. name. <laughs> so Dick Dick is, wakes up with Barbara and Tim there. He has a concussion. His dog that he got in the previous issues, it, it, uh, Tim is named Bitewing. <laughs> and uh, he's like, that's actually a great name, but her name is Haley. I like Haley more, mm. personally. But Bitewing is a good pun. I like that. And they find out, okay, so this is the woman that's now 
mayor of um, Bloodhaven, uh, Mayor Zuko. She's from the Zuko crime family, but she wasn't actually raised by the Zuko crime family. She was raised by the Moroni crime family, which is much worse. <laughs> yeah. And Dick is like, great. And he's like, well, we're going to go adventure. And they're like, no, you have a fucking concussion. Sit the fuck down, drink some water, relax. They leave. Of course he doesn't. He's breaking in, and Barbara's like, hey, what are you doing over the the, the communicator? He's like, oh, I'm resting. She's like, you know, you're still wearing my camera, right? <laughs> <laughs> it's like, yeah, it's so good. And what's the first thing that happens to him? He gets hit in the head again. <laughs> like, yeah. And he gets hit in the head by uh, the young lady in question, Mayor Zuko. He's out cold. He wakes up, and his mask is off. And this is when I was like, something big is about to happen. <laughs> His mask is off, and Mayor Zuko's looking at him, and she goes, Dick Grayson? And he goes, you know me? He goes, I know you too. You worked for the Moroni crime family. You're the daughter of Tony Zuko. She's like, no, I'm not. I thought I was for a long time, but I am the truth. My real father was named John Grayson. I'm your sister. Boom. <laughs> Do not take this away from me, DC. Like, you cannot just bait and switch this and just drop a bomb like this. Also, she's really hot. <laughs> like, um, I love this. I hope she's not like. I hope she's undercover and she's not a real villain. Yeah. Which her knowing his identity that would kind of make sense. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean. And then maybe she can become a, a vigilante later. That'd be really cool. I'd be down with that. So. Or I really enjoyed the mayor. Like Bloodhaven is in good hands, knowing he knowing he can trust her. Yeah. So yeah, what'd you think? I, I fucking loved it. So. I mean, if, uh, I guess first and foremost, um, if if possible, if if you can get a patent or if you can just call dibs on a color, Adriano deserves this blue. Like this blue, it just it should just be his for forever. Because oh my god, to just make it pop in the fire, to just make it contrast beautifully, mm-hmm. but not glaring, or just not make it seem out of place over fire over anything, it's just awesome. Like <laughs> this blue is just really cool, and then. Dick is a monster. I mean, like, we've been rooting for him in this great book, but how do you leave Bitewing like that? And how would you leave the bed like that, knowing you've been told you have a concussion, you need bed rest, and you would still leave that beautiful puppy like that? No. Monster. Monster. You, you do know who trained him, right? <laughs> <laughs> like, that's that's literally probably, that was, like, one of the one of the lessons he had to learn was, like, if you feel like you have a concussion, Go out anyways. Crime's not going to fight itself <laughs> and shit. <laughs> yeah, I'm putting that one entirely on Bruce. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, um, awesome. Okay, great. Next DC book. Static. Static. Static Shock, season one. It's back, baby. I got this cover. Oh, sick. I don't think I saw that one. Yeah, it's it's Martin Bro. So, yeah. Uh... I really fucking enjoyed this book. Oh, me too. 100%. So good. I'm so glad to see Static back in a way that matters. Yes. Um, so, creative team, written by Vita Ayala, layouts by Criss Cross, finishes in color by Nicholas Draper Ivy, and letters by Ann Um, I gotta say, I love the art. This, this is... Oh, man. This, okay... The art, it's not the same, but the only thing it reminds me of is we only find them when they're dead. Oh, a little it's, bit. It's, the way the faces are, yeah, they're just so pretty. Yeah. 
it's got some vibes of it yeah like specifically like this last shot right here yeah i was just there too yeah so uh for those of you you're probably familiar with the character of static shock from the cartoon or from previous comics or something uh this is part of the milestone reboot and uh it's fucking great pick it up (laughs) i don't know what else to tell you it's just really really good it's a great young hero thing um I think Milestone's going to be separate of DC. Okay. So it's going to be its own universe, which is cool. Uh, what do you think? No, I really liked it. I mean, like, and you're right. I think it might be separate for a while. Like, again, like with the whole subtitle being season one type of thing, I'm wondering if this will be, I don't want to say rushed, but if they're going to be like more like slowing down to like the origins. Cause again, this is only static being static for a week. Meanwhile, the whole DC continuity is already established, well established, and everybody's in their place, and we're kind of like starting static over. Um, I think we're kind of gonna get like this, this slight origin tale as we kind of like rush into the time, like the time, and maybe get him caught up. Because again, why wouldn't he be on Teen Titans or Titans Academy as one of the one of the teachers or one of the actual Teen Titans, one of the Titans instead of no, sorry, one of the Teen Titans pre before the Titans. Um, Plus, there's Black Lightning and like you know. Mm-hmm. They don't want to like have too much overlap. They want to keep them separate. I know some people that think Black Lightning is static. Oh, Jesus! Changed his name. So. Yeah. Um, but other than that, like for our first issue, like it, it already it, it literally just jumped into being like a volume one finale, like a first arc finale. Like the way just like bringing the fight to very personal, bringing the fight home, and just like being around a very dangerous uh, situation, very dangerous scenario. Where it's like, damn, all right, let's let's fucking do this. It just felt very intense. Or there are also that part where you get kind of get a bit of the training bits where he can kind of manipulate or control fire based on the ionization of the of the lightning. That was yeah. really cool. That was so Spider Man. Yes, like that's the moment Peter would have. Like if I use the thing to do this and this, and it's like, yeah, that's totally awesome. And I like the reasoning behind it. He, you find out why he knows these things. Yeah, you find out why he knows how to fight. His dad taught him how to fight. Like it's yes, it's really good at building who he is. Like building a foundation for mm-hmm. the character. Awesome. All right. Now we're going to move on to Marvel. And we don't have as many books as I thought we did. We just have a lot because I buy variant covers. And that <laughs> looks gigantic. So, Jose, start me off with Miles Morales 27. Miles Morales 27, The Clone Saga. Issue number 27, Legacy 267. Saladin Ahmed as a writer. Carmen uh, Carnero as an artist. David Gurriel as a colorist. And Corey Petit as a lettering. So we're doing Miles' take on his uh, clone saga. Only in, the, in this issue, we get to reveal that it's not exactly they're not exactly clones. So we can't. It's not like boo a clone saga on Spider Miles. Um, so yeah, the trio of the goddamn it, I'm already gonna say that they're clones. <laughs> they're super, uh, let's just say they're clones. They got the drop on Spidey because he went there to destroy their lab, and then the leader of the clones was like dude, you messed up our only cure. Now you've doomed us. Now you've killed us. So before we die, we're going to make you suffer. Uh, And basically his messed up plan is to go to the hospital, pick up mom to go home and then have a little family meeting. And meanwhile, Miles can't do anything. Only the whole time he's able, he's able to kind of like slowly like rip the webbing that he's in from the inside. He figures out like, this clone's webbing isn't as strong or isn't as pure as like the one that he makes or the one that he has. So mm. they leave him there with like the one, cause it's like the one that kind of looks the most, the most normal one looks like miles. There's like the actual spider looking one. And then like the 
blobby morphic one he's the one that gets left behind to guard miles and the whole time he has like a heart to heart where it's just like yo i I know that you don't really want to do this i know that you're scared and he's just like overpowering it on the on this on this whole thing help me out here if you really are if you say like that you're not a clone of me but some way i forget how like they're made the way that they're they're modified differently from these all these different miles if all these people are really are miles themselves that they really truly believe that they then you keep this is where i start talking to them you would know that this shit is wrong and i wouldn't do this so you shouldn't do this and it basically almost, he does help him out um by just like by when miles rips out of like the webbing he doesn't attack him um mm-hmm. so he just does let him leave first thing he gets there it's uh where he, and he starts zooming to the hospital at the hospital this shit starts going starts happening because it starts becoming a ruse where the the spider looking one is just like terrorizing the hospital. Um, Rio is there, kind of like making sure like what's going on. She she sees quote unquote Spider Man helping out everybody else. Um, and meanwhile, the spider the spider one is just like still wreaking chaos. Mm-hmm. And when Miles does get there, the spider just like brainwashes him because like the spider one just has this like mind swiping ability. It's just very weird. Um, but he's able to knock him out, and he realizes, like, oh shit, this wasn't the real fight, um, because the mom is still there. The mom is still there, and it's like, yo, so what happened? Because the whole time, fake Miles was logging into the computer for information to know where to go, where the house was, and yeah, we come back home, and fake Miles is there, very menacingly holding baby Billy, and it's like, no, please do not hurt this baby sister. <laughs> So that's pretty much where we're at right now. I, it's, it's just like kind of moving some pieces forward. Gotcha. Nice. All right. I know this is a big one. Talk to me about Venom. Oh, man. I was not ready for this. Venom number 35. Legacy issue number 200 by Donny Cates and a whole mess of team. I'll try to shut them out when I get to it. But yeah. Post Eddie King and Black, as he is the new King and Black, God of the Symbiotes. Oh man, oh man. Okay, okay, okay. I thought we were ready. I thought I was ready to like. All right, I'm ready to tackle uh, Rombies and um, Al Ewing's take on Venom coming up next after this. But now I'm even more curious, and I'm, I almost kind of don't want it anymore, just because of what happens here. Basically, him being the new god of symbiotes has taken a very, very big toll. He can manipulate every single symbiote across the cosmos, all around, all around Earth, everything. But it kind of becomes a, a whole Project Patron thing. It's literally been draining him. He's basically an old man now, and he's but and but more, most important than any than anything, he just wants to be a dad. He just wants to be a dad for Dylan. And it's not like he's like running out of time or anything. It's, it's not like he's like now dying, but he's just fucking old, dude. Like that's Eddie Brock now, and Dylan is still very much a teen. Um, and the whole thing about—I mean, the stream because he's he's only human. Noel was fucking Noel, um, but yeah, he's still trying to be a dad. And the whole time, and now since he can just like have all the symbiotes, it's not that he doesn't want it, doesn't want it, but his other his own symbiote is now basically. Um, Dylan symbiote. He's like he he does like the whole guard dog thing that we've seen throughout Johnny Cates' run. 
um, I want the super cool chain leash, cha- chain link leash. Is um, Dylan just gets around, and gets to school that way, at least like uh, to protect him. Because Dylan, I mean, post King uh, King of Black number five, he doesn't have his symbiote manipulating abilities anymore. He's just a normal boy, which is great. It's all fucking Eddie wanted for him. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, the sleeper shows up and is like, "Yo, duty calls. Um, there's there's shit to do with the symbiote stuff." And Dylan, you're late for school anyway. And there's a great moment, a great moment that I've been waiting for this whole time from the Donny Cates run. Especially since it was Johnny who who brought it up ever since the beginning of his run. Um, Dylan finally asks um, the other, Eddie's other, Ed, the, the our original symbiote, what do I call you? He's like, what do you mean? Like, yeah, like, what's your name? Uh, I see. No one has ever asked. No one has ever, has ever asked that. I don't quite know how to answer that, really. And it's like, oh, fuck yeah, because it was, it wasn't, it was, it was, um, this whole first callback is uh, the original Vietnam symbiote wearing dude, the Vietnam guy, uh, Rex. He was on the called out. Eddie is like, dude, do you even know its fucking name? And it was, and at that point, it never really got raised again. It never, it never really got brought up because of everything that, that that was happening. And it's, it's explained so beautifully by it. Um, you see, my kind, we we don't have names, not like you. Each of us communicates with communicates with the host through a certain emotional vibration. This emotional pattern is how we distinguish ourselves from the collective hive. It wouldn't be pronounceable by human vocal cords. Um, and it's like, so can I hear it? What? Your name, your emotional pattern. Can I hear it? Well, yes, of course. Hold on tightly. And he just like the dog just closes his eyes, like Simba just closes his eyes. And Dylan's like the, the chain just like rattles a little bit and like a, t- a tear just drops by, just drops down. It's like, that was, thank you. Like I needed that. You're very welcome, Dylan. Like anytime. It's like, what? Like, yes. Like, give me all this, all this symbiote goodness that's always been there instead of just being a bunch of edge lord like goodness in its own way. But oh my god, <laughs> this is exactly what I fucking wanted. <laughs> Meanwhile, there's another scene with uh, Eddie and Spider Man. Like literally, it's Peter in a Spider Man gig like, outfit um, at a random cafe, just just shooting the shit. And Peter, Spider Man, just like, yo, I'm, I'm really fucking sorry. Like about the whole symbiote thing about bringing it to Earth. Like like it, it was an it was in my moment of weakness, not being strong enough that I put on the suit and I brought it here anyway. And so I'm really fucking sorry. And he's like, dude, just just shut up. The sim- the, the symbiotes have been here for thousands of years. It was in Vietnam. It was it was part of the Weapon Plus program. Beowulf and Grendel is based on them. This isn't on you. And Peter, who's just having like the message like uh, up his nose because he's been eating just has like a moment of clarity, like a moment of relief, like no words. It's really fucking cool where he's just like thinking it through and just like accepts it. Just like puts the mask back down and be like, okay, cool. It's almost like a burden was lifted off his shoulders. It's like, it, he doesn't really say like, you're right. Or thank you. It's just more like, cool. Like, cause like these two just also have like their own fucking history. So it's kind of like, yeah, he need, like from everyone else. He definitely needed to hear this from Eddie, which is actually really cool. Uh, I actually really dug this scene. Um, and then, yeah, it's just, it's just a big fucking issue. Eddie's doing his God thing. It's just like, uh, then taps into just everything. Um, and then he starts talking about, there's like, there's one last mission. There's one bit of symbiote that didn't get to make it back. And it's also out there and something that he hasn't dealt with the fucking maker, <laughs> the ultimate, ultimate, uh, Reed Richards, um, the maker who's been an asshole and was able to, man- he brought his own symbiote, then tweaked out 
a little bit of uh, eddies to kind of then like have his own control over it. And then he got poured over back to the ultimate universe. And that was the end of that. And this whole time, Eddie's literally talking is literally giving the speech to everyone. Uh, He's a, he's around the table uh, with the Avengers. He's at the fucking quiet council. That's fucking Eddie sitting there on an open chair in the quiet council, just talking to everybody, which is fucking crazy. Um, There's a moment in space where he's also saying this to silver surfer, the guardians and their super dope matching of, fucking jackets i really kind of want to read the series now <laughs> um and yeah he's basically telling everybody's like yo we need to handle the maker and everybody's like oh, fucking tony is just like yeah sure it might not be that crazy though just giving a bullshit tony answer and cap is like no for sure like we'll, we'll look into it um and cap's like yo and as i said before you can still be part of the team and but eddie's like no i'm actually really fucking busy you need someone who can be here fucking full time um and i'm not that person and Cap's like, cool. Do you have anyone in mind? In fact, I do. And you already know him. Enter Ryan Segment Art, and I'm already a fan. Anti-Venom, Flash Thompson, Agent Venom. Might, oh, might be an yeah. Avenger soon, maybe, because we get a whole like mini-story with him and kind of how he's been dealing, being back from the yeah. dead when it, it really wasn't hasn't been that long since he's been dead in Marvel time. Just kind of struggling, like who he should tell. If you should tell everybody, like like his family, that he is back, because like technically they should still be mourning. Um, but so he's kind of just like keeping it, keeping it quiet. Um, so he's still trying to figure it out. But he might be an Avenger. And there's a really great scene with uh, with uh, Dylan and how he's just being bullied at school, and then like gets sent to the principal's office, and he's part of the blame instead of like focusing on the actual bully. Um, but yeah, and I bet anyway, on the way home, he's just like angry that he just doesn't have his powers anymore. And on the way home, he, he, excuse me, he hears a lady in distress. So he doesn't hear a thing. He goes to help her out, even though the, the symbiote, the dog is just like, but Eddie said to go home, but he's like, no, this is, like, this is what he would do too. And of course, it's fucking Jack, Jack Leonard trying to mug a lady. And then like the dog transform, basically transforms like, and just like, is almost going to kill Jack Leonard. Jack Leonard is just like, oh, fuck, why symbiotes all over again? It's always him and symbiotes. So he shoots through the symbiote, and it hits Dylan right in the chest. Again, he doesn't have powers or symbiote powers anymore, so he's fucking dying. And Jack Leonard is like, oh, shit, I, I, I didn't mean to. Just bounces, and um, the symbiote just basically wraps himself around uh, Dylan. And this is where it gets really cool, because at this point, he can kind of heal him while he's already kind of wearing the suit, and we get a super dope page of of a, maybe a new a new form of venom because <laughs> like you yes. know he was wearing the dog and the, the the chain the the chain leash now the chains are wrapped around like like armbands around the symbiote and he just jumps sorry and then he jumps uh on jack lantern cuts you back home and dylan <laughs> just comes out of the suit really cool Basically, every, Eddie already knows what's what's been happening. He can see what's going on through all the symbiotes, and he's like, "No, it's that's cool." I mean, like you did the right thing. And now here's where we might enter the new run, because while Eddie's gonna do is gonna go do his space thing, and I mean, figure that shit out here at home. He's gonna have to leave Dylan behind. Only he will be protected with the fucking symbiote. Like the classic symbiote is now Dylan's to control, um, or right. them to be together. Um, and yeah, and the new suit is definitely going to be with the edgy chains on the sides, like on the arms. <laughs> he actually looks really cool. Uh, and, and, and here's where it gets a little meta with, uh, with Johnny Cates and I actually really appreciate it because like, I think it looks cool. It's big. Well, I want to look scary. 
And Eddie goes, you sure about the chains? I don't know. I thought we- I thought webs were maybe played out. Plus, all the comics I read growing up had chains. I just like them. That's totally Donny Cates, like, just, like, <laughs> getting meta with it. Like, yeah, all the shit he probably read with the chains. And also like it. Yeah, like, Eddie did the whole web thing because he just piggybacked it off, off of uh, Peter all those years ago. So he kind of ran with it. But now, after everything that Dylan and Eddie, had, Eddie have done together, it's, it's never really been about the spider issue or, or all the webs. So it kind of makes sense. So he literally is going to be using chains to just like reach and like grab into grab into everything. So I was like, actually, that is really cool. Like just like a new take on Venom, get like a whole new original take. So maybe this uh, Dylan Venom will be Earth Venom, and while Eddie is just doing his space god thing out there. So that was pretty much like the end of this giant issue. It was, it was so worth. It was so so worth the the run, <laughs> and I, I just love that I've been kept been reading Venom this whole time. It does a whole hundred issue where it just shows you all the covers of all the times and yeah. i i was just like getting kind of emotional being like the one the, the few i do have from all those years ago that i just collected for co- the sake of covers and then when i really started reading and it's like and then you start seeing like the collection where like this whole thing i have all of these here i have all of these and it's like oh, <laughs> just, it just makes me feel good it just makes me feel so good having all these uh, big issue yeah all right Moving on, I got a solo Marvel, and it's Star Wars, number 14. Okay. Uh, so this is the core Star Wars story, which follows the main characters from the original trilogy. Uh, so this is post-Empire, pre-Jedi. Okay. And it's also part of the War of the Bounty Hunters crossover, which is why I picked it up. Written by Charles Soule, drawn by Roman uh, Ramon Rosanes, uh, colored by Rochelle Rosenberg, and lettered by Clayton Cowles. So this is Luke... Leia, Chewbacca, C-3PO, all of them, Lando, finding out about um, Han being stolen, basically. So they're like, we'll get him back. Um, it's pretty cool. Not not a ton happens. It kind of sets up where we're going from here. There's a great story with Lando going on, too. Um, however, there's a really cool story, a really cool bit in here where there's like a young woman sending Leia a message via hologram, and she's the one that's giving them, hey, this is where Han is, da 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 and after it's over, Leia's like, uh, I don't need to play you the rest, but the woman is Amalyn Holdo. So it's Admiral Holdo from the new movies. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. They, they introduced her, and basically they talked about her origin with Leia. She's like, I've known her since I was a teenager. I trust her with my life. So I like this. They're going back, and they're filling, and they're making the... Th- they're basically all the details that people who hate the, the last three movies... Yeah. They're like, well, th- where'd this come from? They're going back and they're filling that in. You know what okay. I mean? And so I think that's kind of cool. So, uh, but not a ton happens, but I really, I'm really enjoying the crossovers. I mean, I know how it ends, but, you know, yeah. <laughs> cause, but it's good. It's good. So, uh, next up, the rest of these we share. Mighty Valkyries, number three. Nice. Written by Jason Aaron and Torn Gronback. Art is by Mattia de Lulis, as well as Erica Dorso. Coloring by Marcio Meniz and letter by Joe Sabino. I love how it's like half and half. I like, like that it's a uh, yeah, and then and then crossing over instead of just like story A, story B. Yeah, they go back and forth. Like yeah. I was, I was, I'm half expecting them to have half a page one style and half a page the other style. At some Ooh, point. so it's like almost ready to happen. Yeah, yeah, but yeah. So we get more information. Uh, we get to, to see Jane with um with the wolf while it's being hunted by uh, Craven. And then we get a, we get a lot more about what's going on in the underworld with uh, Carnilla and the, the 
babies that apparently she stole. Mm. <laughs> so um, it's really cool. I love the art. It's just absolutely gorgeous. We get more with Loki. Loki's playing both sides. We get to see Runa. Um, a lot going on in this issue. Uh, Runa gets the prophet back to where he's from. And he feels a lot better and stuff. So, uh, really good. I really like it. Um, what do you think? Um, I definitely enjoyed this one. Uh, again, it's just like one that's just like not necessarily important to like the overall Marvel like story. But uh, if you just like the characters, you're definitely going to be into it. Especially with this scene with Hela, when she was just like, I don't really like being here. Like, it's, it's still her domain, but she doesn't like going to like basically seeing her uncle, the giant snake yeah. dude, and just like picking up a tooth and just like making a staff out of it is like yeah so this, this is like the cool marvel magic i like to see yeah it's great so really good stuff i'm curious to see where we're going with jane yeah me too children so yep all right uh next up let's start with our heroes reborn recap let's Ooh. start with the core series heroes reborn um written by jason aaron drawn by aaron cooter and colored by Dean White. Backup stories written by Jason Aaron, penciled by Ed McGinnis, inked by Mark Morales, and colored by Matt Wilson. And it's all lettered by Corey Petit. So we spent this whole series meeting the squadron while also recruiting the Avengers. And this issue uh, takes place, basically they're trying to find any trace of these Avengers. And it kind of checks in with every little different thing we've, we've explored in the other books. And, um... We find out that uh, the blur apparently is his love is Mary Jane, and apparently the one more day thing happened with him and Mary Jane. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> in this world too, which is great. Like I love those little bits, but basically they're like, well, they they end up in Wakanda, and no one knows Wakanda's Wakanda in this world because they've never openly been there, and they're there, and they're like, what's going on here? And Blur hyper hacks the shield, the shield goes down, and we get the confrontation. Avengers versus Squadron, which will be in the next issue, I'm assuming, the the Heroes Return issues. Yeah. The backup story at the end focuses on President Coulson, which is interesting. Mm-hmm. I'm wondering, and, and it kind of hints that this might all have been him that did this. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Because it said, we made your dreams come true. There's, you know, I remade the world in your image. Like, so, either, like, yeah, it's, it's just really interesting. So, um, but you find out that J. Jonah Jameson is his press secretary and Thunderbolt Ross is vice president. And he murders both of them to blame it on Wakanda, of course. So it's really interesting. I really dug it. I cannot wait for the next issue. I want to see this fight. It's going to be great. I know. To finally see this long coming fight. I definitely like this issue uh, being uh, with uh, the the callbacks that never happened. Like the opening sequence to this Civil War. It was like, damn, it would be pretty heated if like this uh, Batman, not Batman, was a congressman and still had this particular issue for the Registration Act being, yeah. being against it, but he probably had, had to have a different face as the the real guy. So it's kind of like, it was just very interesting painting that story. And then also because we have this thing where, where we read it and it's like the quote-unquote Batman Nightwing thing, but with the underli- the underlaying of all the Spider-Man rogues and, and mythos. Mm-hmm. I like that. It's like... A, when Hyperion is like, and look at yourself, you have to go back to using that that fucking symbiote thing. It's like, ah, oh, still, it, it's still holding on to like the the whole the Spider Man myth. Though it's like this Batman had to use symbiote. And it's like, oh, that's actually really interesting. I kind of again, I do kind of want to read that. Yeah, the other one I kind of did want to read. It what was the other callback that does this? 
no, I mean like I, I this one, the fucking uh, the Dark Avengers, the Star, the Dark Squadron. Yes, this team, hilarious. this team was really cool. This inverted uh, Moon Knight, this all black Nova, Century, whatever. Mm-hmm. But a Valkyrie is part of the the Dark Avengers, Dark Squadron, and then a Speedster, uh, Ghost Rider. Hell runner, yes, Runner. Yeah, that was like a Ghost Rider, <laughs> like a Speedster for a Ghost Rider. Like I would, I, I want to see this team in action. Yeah dope it's pretty cool I'm, yeah. I'm liking it i like that we had little windows and they cut away and you're like damn it i know nice. yeah <laughs> <laughs> so uh next up uh the other heroes are born book for the week weapon x and final flight Ooh. written by ed brisson drawn by roland balshi colored by chris o'halloran and lettered by Corey petit i really like this one this is yeah. one of my favorite of the the one shots i think for mm-hmm. heroes born but that might be because I absolutely love Alpha Flight. I have such a weakness for Alpha Did Flight. you end up hating the blur this week? Because he was just a monster this week. He was way too much. Yeah. Like, he was super. I think they did a really good job of starting them off as more likable with like, oh, that's weird. Like, it's like something's off. Mm-hmm. And then as the weeks go by, as issues come out, the squadron gets less and less likable. Yeah. I really liked. So this week he was borderline like hateable I hate oh for it. sure i was gonna say like like his, his combat his like amusement of like be like oh i could i get to knock twins, twins as a yeah. kill list instead of like this like the perverted way just like man like who the fuck is this dude and then it's just like uh was it um nighthawk and the and another one and the happy and you're just like hearing this shit and just like letting it slide it's like what the fuck <laughs> like it's so dark yeah exactly so <sighs> but in this one it was just like the little backstory of like when supposedly Wolverine killed yeah. Hyperion. Yeah, so he killed Hyperion, but they're able to bring him back alive because it's Hyperion. <laughs> um, and yeah, basically they already annexed a bunch of Canada, and they're like, "Oh, no, we're going to stop you from taking the rest of Canada." So you know, Alpha Flight's in the right in this case. Mm-hmm. And um, in the end, Sasquatch trades Wolverine's life for Canada, and Wolverine is dropped on a lifeless planet with no oxygen, where he'll. <sighs> choke for the ever basically although depending on your canon because i remember there was a what if where wolverine was thrown into space and he died immediately so mm. depends on your canon i guess so but yeah dark dark as fuck but it was really good i enjoyed it so. oh no varies especially where it's like the whole team just walking away in the end like yeah yeah i guess in the end it was a better the better decision more lives were saved this way but at, at, the, at the, that, that one cost like what sasquatch cost, on his yeah. knees and everybody just, just walking away is like oh fuck very yeah. brutal very dark books yeah all right now we're gonna switch over to our x-men section and we're gonna start with demon days yes which it took a while to get to us uh from the last issue but i'm very excited it's back uh i got both yeah you got both uh, i need <laughs> yeah. to go back for the cover a but this one's just so yeah. beautiful demon days mariko uh so of course peach momoko does story and art uh, Zach Davison assisted with the translation. By the way, he actually um, does a lot of translation. If you see pretty much any Japanese story translated to comics, Zach Davison usually does the oh, translation. Nice. So. Um, and Ariana Mayer doing the lettering. Um, I really like this one. Dude, it's fuck so yeah, right? Um, basically, it's the story of a young girl named Mariko, uh, which is obviously you know a character in Marvel that we know. Um, it also features uh, Kuroki, who ends up being Black Widow. And basically, Mariko finds out that her mother was an Oni, and that she needs to... She's basically trying to find out who she is and everything. And there's another Oni that is going to... That subsists on the blood of Onis. And is trying to basically capture her, but 
Black Widow decides to defend her. You know, Black Widow's a traitor, but she's just like, but I grew to love you. And the moments where they show where like, where she's like little girl Mariko with with Black Widow, and like she's hugging her and stuff like that. I was like, that's really sweet. Like this page right here. Yes, that was just fucking adorable. So I really enjoyed that. Um, but yeah, and it sets up really well. I think going into the next issue, where um. I think this is going to be like an actual ongoing story coming into it. And the next issue is going to be uh cursed web, which um, it does look like Mariko is coming back. I don't know who all is going to get involved in this uh, with it. That looks like mystique personally. Mystique saber tooth. Yeah. And like the way the, the hood hangs on that one with the pink ass could be like a Gwenpool. Uh, no, it's not Gwenpool, but a uh, spider Gwen. That'll make her Maybe. blind, but yeah. But they did name it at the top, the next installment of the Yoshida saga. Nice. So that's kind of cool. So it's all going to be about Mariko and ongoing. I really liked it. Very beautiful art. Oh, it's very. I, I love this kind of like, I don't wrong word, twisted take, but I love these like just different takes on like, it's like ancient tales and then like throwing in and just like throwing in like the Marvel universe into it and just like see how it just like flourishes. And it's, it's so pretty. Yeah. Next up, New Mutants. Number 19. Oh, new Okay. Uh, cover A. Yeah. This one. Nice. This one. Ooh. So. Which is funny, Monet's on the cover of Nubians. Not export, <laughs> but we'll talk about that in a bit. Okay. Uh, so, Nubians, Hellfire Gala Saga. <laughs> uh, written by Vida Ayala, drawn by Alex Lenz, colored by Matt Meehan, lettered by Travis Lanham. So, a lot of this is dedicated to Warlock uh, and him trying to find a place now that Doug is, you know, married. Mm -hmm. And I should say before we get started, New Mutants is one of those, we talk about it sometimes, how there's like six stories going on at once. So, for us to sum up everything, we're going to miss something. But there's a big chunk of this about Warlock. There's a big chunk of it about Karma, Mirage, Wolfsbane going on. Um Karma makes a great appearance. Her outfit looks hilarious, <laughs> it, it, it's, but it's great. It works for her. But and then and they shut down this sexist douchebag, which is oh, fuck it. Uh, yeah. I think it's interesting that that Wolfsbane did not dress up, and I think it's interesting that Wolfsbane in, is in wolf form the entire time they're talking mm-hmm. with Shadow King fucking with her head. Um, and then also we get uh, we get to check in with the kids at the end, which we'll talk about in a moment. Um, but I love the New Mutants Forever group chat. That was oh probably my, my favorite info God. page they've ever done. So fucking funny. It's just great all the way through. Just fucking uh, Ileana just poking, poking over and over. <laughs> they talk about who they voted for. Yeah, I'm trying and, to find it. Yes. And the only one who voted for him was Sam. And Sam is like, his name is Salmon Ball. And he's like, why is my name Sam? <laughs> so, um, I, I, I love I, that. Most are chose right, uh, but I love that Magic and Doug have my back with uh, Marrow and Tempo. Yeah, exactly. So I, I just love that it opens up with Berto, but like, this was a farce. <laughs> <laughs> I love him. And then he leaves the chat. It's so great. Well, I love that he's actually pissed. Like, he makes it a point that he's just pissed, and we, we all know why, that he just wasn't part of the X Men. Yeah. He doesn't even want to be an X Men. He wanted to be chosen. That's the thing. So. <laughs> Um, but yeah, we get this near the end. We get this, uh, monologue from somebody and we find out that it's, it's the shadow King. Yeah. And it ends with goodbye, Gabrielle Kinney. 
and then it says much later on Mars. We'll talk about that in a moment. And the young kids that have been corrupted by the Shadow King find Scout dead. She better be able to come back. There better not be some dumb I, shit. Like, I, I got definitely got emotional here. I, even when I'm trying to explain to Sochi like the importance of all this, like the Dawn of X thing, one of the highlights I always try to bring bring back to her, like or at least like why I love this book so much, is Scout and how important she is, and and it always comes back to like, and then then like basically after explaining all the whole resurrection process, and then I explained to her that she's a clone and that she's been one of the few that has asked what happens after and every time i just get start getting emotional because like I, I don't even want to think about it and now it's fucking happening i just like fuck dude i, I oh my god I'm, I'm genuinely hoping that shadow king didn't take control of her body or something i'm worried worried he did a body snatcher yeah or if they do bring her back he'll jump into her body before she can or something because that's right. what he does mm-hmm. he's a possession guy so i'm kind of curious to see what that goes um I'm also wondering how she died. Mm-hmm. Did he possess one of the students without them knowing and use them to kill her? Oh, God. Because he's not exactly a physical force. Yeah. You know what I mean? So I I'm kind of worried. There's a lot of ways this could go. I'm I just thought, she, I thought she always had just like the one scar. It makes me like she has like two, like two going down the both eyes. I thought she had two. Maybe it, maybe, maybe I'm misremembering. So. Uh, but anyways, very, very interesting. To see what Yeah. That uh, X-Core number two. Okay. Written by Teeny Howard. Drawn by Alberto Foce. Colored by Sonny Go. Letter by Clayton Cowles. I really like this issue. <laughs> I love this book Whoa. so much. <laughs> it's just a super-powered corporation. It's all, it's literally in the name. But it's them forming a corporation. And it's, all, it's the business dealings and having meetings. And it sounds boring, but it's not. Um, I absolutely love it. I love how much Madrox is in it, obviously, because yes. I love Madrox. He's basically all over this book, and I'd be curious about him because, like, I, I hold, I love that bit from the beginning that he's just been everybody's personal bartender. Yeah, like there was one person where it's like when he's trying to get an order, or the whole the whole Feige moment, and like the mm-hmm. the in the beginning where it's like, oh, um, who who I, yeah, I might not, I might not, I must not have you. It's like, oh shit, everybody has their own personal bartender with multiple men. This is great. But then I totally forgot that he should be one of the heads here. And then, yeah, we get a, definitely get a whole issue about him. Or mostly a whole issue about him. Yeah, where he doesn't feel like he is being respected. Yeah. So th- so they have interviews with several people about being on the board, including... Okay, I'm unnecessarily excited about this. Ooh. And I'm going to explain why. Uh, Neil, Sh- Neil Shara, Thunderbird. Okay. I fucking love Neil Shara, Thunderbird. Uh-huh. He's Thunderbird 3. Okay. He's not related to the other Thunderbirds. He's actually from India. Um, but he is awesome. He's, he's a fire-based hero. Mm-hmm. And um, he's really cool, but he appeared in Extreme X-Men, which everybody hated Extreme X-Men except me. I talk about it a lot. That's when Sage really got a, a big okay. push. Thunderbird has been played down quite a bit for a long time. The fact they brought him back means that two of my favorite X-Men might be coming back. Because they haven't been seen since basically M Day. <laughs> okay. So and that's Lifeguard and Slipstream. Ooh. I'm very excited. <laughs> I hope I hope so. Because Neil had a romance with Lifeguard and Slipstream is her brother. So okay. fingers crossed. Just get out of there. Okay. Um also interview with Sunspot, with uh Celine, with uh a human named Sarah St. John, and with Jason Wingard, Mastermind, the senior mastermind that we recently saw. Yeah. 
in Hellions causing a bunch of shit. So that's interesting. But I like it because X-Core is like, we're just we're here for results, basically. And I think that makes sense, you know? So basically, they go through these interviews. They're, they're varying different levels of success. Uh, I actually really like Jason's uh, Mastermind's look with the Yeah, the, the yeah. hair, yeah. <laughs> that looked good, so. Um, but yeah, they basically break it to Jamie that he's probably not going to be on the board. <laughs> Which I was like, you bastards. <laughs> After what they just did to his lab. And they make it a point over and over about what happened. Yeah. But so they get an unscheduled, quote, interview with Fenris, which are these two twins. They're Baron Run Strucker's chick kids. Yeah. And uh, they basically come off as like one entity a lot. So um, they try to break into X-Core. They stop them. And uh, yeah, there's like some really cool moments. Uh, yeah, we'll talk about the spoilers. Um, there's this whole thing where Monet uh, congratulates Warren for not, you know, turning to Archangel when he got upset, and then you find out that Mastermind actually caused an illusion to make it look like he was normal Angel when he was actually Archangel. Yeah, and in that case, they did put Mastermind on the board because he was very useful in the end. He did prove himself, great. like even even from like his opening speech, just like I should have, that should have been a done deal, and then to mm-hmm. just, and then, but then play the the Nazi children the way they did uh, to just actually further prove the point. And then at the end being like uh, the, now the secrets between the two head, the two CXOs and it's, it's starting and it's like, please don't, don't, don't start with all the bullshit. Yeah. So, uh, and also I forgot to mention, obviously I got cover a, Oh yeah. But I also got this one (laughs) and I also got this one. Oh, (laughs) nice. All these, by the way, connect. Oh, cool. It's one long mural. Nice. That's why I'm getting them all, so I can have them all. So yeah. Um, but yeah, uh, really, really good. Now, oh man, are we here now? Are we here, dude? We've been recording for a while. We promise we will not take too long. This is like the one book get, we need to take. We all have to get some time. feelings out. Um, we don't have to go blow by blow. We don't have to go character by character because that would be an hour. Um, Planet Size X Men number one. Oh written God. by Gary Dugan, drawn by Pepe Larraz, colored by Marte Gracia, letter by Clayton Cowles. I have the dumbest so we, grin. I read this shit twice. It was so, so good. <laughs> it's the dumbest thing. Oh, so real quick, I obviously cover A. I also got this one. Nice. So, yeah. Um, so we find out what the Omegas are up to. And it's more Omegas than we thought. <laughs> because some Omegas, I'm like, oh yeah, they're an Omega. And then also some Omegas from Arico come out. Now, why did the Omegas from Arico come out? Well, okay, <laughs> how do we put this? Okay, we're just going to straight up say it. It was literal, people. It was literal. It's, <laughs> it's just the easiest way to say it. Plant size was literal, yes. The mutants terraformed Mars. <laughs> Entirely. It's entirely terraformed. It has its own weather system and everything now. And the mutants of Erica, which we knew there were millions of them, that was one of the things we were told, uh-huh. have moved to Mars. And they built a spaceport and have declared Mars the capital of the solar system. <laughs> yes. Oh, God. So cool. <laughs> it's so cool, but it's also like... <laughs> like the other heroes are not gonna like this. Or much. <laughs> like, so. Oh fuck them! Like who 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 said it? it was Storm. It's like I, they're about to have their own like pissy fit just because they they couldn't get a planet that they wouldn't be get, able to get to in a few generations anyway. Yeah. Fuck the yeah. humans. 
Yeah. Um, well, also the declaring that them being the capital is kind of like presumptuous. I think, so. <laughs> um, but it was a lot of fun. It was a lot of Omegas working together. Um, I like that Quentin was basically in charge. Yeah. <laughs> I thought that was so strange. Like they, they've really come a long way trusting Quentin, which I think is great. Um, but yeah, so now Mars is basically the first mutant planet. Actually, I think that's the quote at the end is, um, the, the big splash page. It says, uh, let me get pulled up here. It says, Erico is the first mutant world. Attempt no landing except at Port Prometheus. Erico is the capital of this solar system. Hold vast for a message from the regent of Saul. So, dude, this is like, this just changes the Marvel Universe. That's just the easiest way to yeah. say it. Fundamentally. And the cool thing is, we know there's a space crossover coming up with the Snark War. Uh-huh. And we know it's going to cross over um, with Guardians as well as Sword. This has obviously got to be part of that, right? Oh, fuck. I, I mean, are we expecting a, an ongoing or a book series on Mars? Of just Erico? Is there life on Mars? Is going to be like the name of the first volume? <laughs> That's so cool, dude. Um, yeah, dude. It's great. I just, it's so, it's fundamentally groundbreaking. It's changing, world changing, like, it's just incredible. I absolutely love it. The, just the the first page flip. The shot of Magneto doing what he's doing. Oh yeah. Oh my god. Like just like what's the line? Iron Iron will not present a problem. <laughs> just like fuck yes, yeah, the whole opening sequence. What was the line I just really liked? Uh luck and time when need when need to be on your side, but you'll have Prometheus Prometheus and hope, and that's even better. Yes. <laughs> I love it because one of the things, and again, we talk about a lot, people shit on the big two, but if you're not reading X-Men, you have no right to criticize the big two because this is some of the most creative shit in comics. Yes. It's not just superhero shit, you know, like this, this happening was just like, what the fuck? Making Excalibur all over worth it. Yeah. It's just absolutely amazing story. It's so creative and it's great because you get all these Omega mutants together and you realize, God, they have a lot of fucking power. Yes. And they all work together. That's, that's a pretty impressive force. <laughs> like there's not a lot of people. And that, they even make it a point. I can't think of a single threat that could take out all the Omega mutants together. Like, Oh my God, a, a book series on that alone. Just like them as a team. We're just going Omega, out there. Omega X. That'd be great. Yeah. So, um, no, it, but it, yeah, it was, it was great seeing them all work together. Um, like I said, uh, Jamie Jamie Braddock even helped, which was hilarious. <laughs> he gave birth because <laughs> he took it too seriously. Because he's oh idiot. my god, he took me he, he took me literal. <laughs> I mean that that's that's Jamie. So. That's Jamie. <laughs> but uh, I loved it. I absolutely loved it. I cannot wait to see where it's going. What do you think? No, me too. Especially in the end, where like they they make it a point where or, or touching first on the, the first point with the with the omegas where they were like almost like yo are we sure about this like do we need a legion and then fucking magneto just saying it first publicly so it, so that legion didn't say it first where it's like no nah, it's cool i don't trust him yet no 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 he said that to you first you can't just say what he said you can't say what he said 
Um, and then and then we'll just gloss over the fucking Franklin Richards line. Just like uh, I hate that they're just making that a thing. That was interesting. I liked it actually. Uh, I hate that they're just making it a thing. I'm so I'm so I'm so not over it. I know I know you're upset he's not in the end. Yeah, but it was really interesting given Quicksilver and Scarlet Witch, mm-hmm. the emotional state of Magneto for it. I thought it was a good character. Line. Yeah. Um, um, so next week we get Wolverine, Way of X, and Sword. And already I'm looking at Way of X. Way of X like, is interesting because this whole time, this whole time, Nightcrawler. Nightcrawler has just been drunk as fuck, but just not being silly. He's just been actually asking the good questions to the yeah. specific people. Like right now, New Mutants asking the whole Valkyrie thing. I'm going to Danny and asking, like, yo, how does the Valkyrie thing actually work? We should talk. Yeah. I really want to. It's going to be philosophical as hell. Hell yeah. And then Sword. Is next week. And that one's like t- uh, tabbed red too, so that's one of the important ones. Yeah, exactly. So the and the, the one of my last things here on planet size is the fucking statues. The, oh, I know the fucking statues. I can't, wait, I can't wait for apocalypse. To come and and I've what never was said this apocalypse? <laughs> yeah, dude, I know he should definitely be here, especially because like it's he's actually re- being remembered. Like no ro- no war will be made in this valley. It is a sacred place to. To remember the ones that did not reach this promised land. And it's like, we miss you, buddy. We fucking miss you. It's time to come home. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. All right, guys. That's it for us. Uh, thank you so much for joining us on We Have Issues. Oh, boy. <laughs> it's been a lot. So, um, you can always check us out at we have issues uh, is on Twitter at WHI podcast. I am on Twitter at WHI podcast. Keith, our producer Liz is on WHI podcast. Liz, check us out as well at our sister show, jukebox vertigo at jukebox vertigo and keep an eye out for our pride episode uh, that came out this week and was one of my favorite episodes. I listened to it yes. twice. I loved it. So <laughs> it was so much fun and such great guests. I'm really excited about it. So, um, and also check out Hostway at Hostway Reads Hostway. Uh, but that's everything. Hostway, you want to plug anything else? Um, yeah, I don't think I have anything off the top of my head right now. Gotcha. All right, cool. Well, um, so join us as always for next week's uh, show. Oh, we do have actually something else to plug. Um, just so you guys know, we are going to be debuting a new podcast um, yes. from our friend Crozen. Yes. We're going to be helping him launch this. It's all his baby, but we're going to definitely be there with him. And it's called Podcast Ultra. So you can check that out on uh, Twitter as well. And as soon as I find the Podcast Ultra login, (laughs) (laughs) um, it's going to be video game based. And our first episode is actually going to, it's Ultra underscore pod, by the way, is the Twitter. Um, Our first episode is going to be about E3. So we're going to... um, we're definitely going to be going over all that. There was It wasn't the most eventful E3. Mm-hmm. That's probably what we're mostly going to talk about. But there were definitely some highlights, and I can't wait to see what you guys thought. And we're going to count on the things we like the most and talk about the disappointments as well. So, uh, once again, that Twitter is ultra underscore pod, and our, our host, Crozen, is Crozen underscore. Uh, so, thank you so much for joining us. We appreciate it. You can always check us out on Geek Elite Media as well, at Geek Elite Media, as well as geekelitemedia.com. And don't forget, to always geek out. This concludes our broadcast.